0: Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to episode seven of the Friends Per Second podcast. It is lovely to have you back. We appreciate you. It's also lovely to have back Lucy, who has just returned from a holiday in
1: Iceland.
0: Whoa, who oh. goes to holiday in, holidays in Iceland except Vikings, right? That's, that's a weird place to go.
1: <laughs> Immigrants. <laughs> They're <laughs> they're and, stuff. and also Jake baldino <laughs>
0: that is that's the that's the thing you will notice that Jake is not here today, and the reason is because he's on holidays in Iceland just as Lucy left Iceland, Jake arrived. Yep. I feel like. We then need to just keep it. Yeah, we have this constant I think chain where next we just week, keep going. Next
2: week, I will not be here. I will be in Iceland. <laughs> in
1: Iceland.
0: <laughs> this, uh, this episode is brought to you by Iceland's Tourism Authority. <laughs> Visit Iceland. It's not as icy as the name suggests. No,
1: it's, it's lovely. Um, I had a lovely time. If you love
0: volcanic rock and <laughs> There's lagoons, a lot of it, <laughs> then apparently it's really... What was the highlight of the trip, Lizzie?
1: I think the lagoon. I also will sure. say I went to the penis museum, um, and like, let's just say they know exactly what they're doing because you walk around with a beer. The whole thing is—it's exactly what you think it would be. Humbling is the word I would sure. use to describe it. Uh, but I had a great time. Humbling
0: for the gentleman that oh, go no, along no, no. is that there was a, I
1: saw a penis in there that was taller than I was, so humbling in every sense of the word. <laughs>
2: Do they have like okay. wax sculptures of dudes? <laughs> uh,
1: no, they have pickles. Um. Oh my
0: god, <laughs>
1: pickles! This was uh, like,
0: this was the yeah. inspiration for genital jousting, no doubt. It's a nice segue <laughs> because later on, and later on in the show, we are joined by Graham Struthers. He is one of the co-founders of Devolver Digital. Talks to us about what's going down and uh, how how Devolver got its start and all the craziness with Hotline Miami and Fall Guys and going public and all that sort of shit. So stick around for that. That's going to be fun. I thought when I'm when we were talking penises, I thought that'd be a nice segue. That little, was great. Perfect I loved it. Oh, I loved you. it. Thank you. <laughs> We're also joined by Gerard, who is in a different studio every week. By the way, I it know is a new, week, you're in a new location. This is you're just
1: one-upping. Us. <laughs> you're like a
0: bride is- <laughs> at every at a wedding; it changes dress seven times. Not
2: committal, baby. You can't lock me down in this studio. <laughs> That's right, uh, this is going to be my permanent setup. I, I, uh, they asked me to. They're, they're breaking down the studio system that I was in. Uh, before. Right. So this is now my permanent setup. I told them I wasn't going to go in here unless they put soundproofing and they did put soundproofing. Ooh. So Ooh. hopefully there's no echoing. And if there is uh, everyone so at home, sense. I'm very sorry, but I will get my revenge. Don't worry. There's <laughs> no
0: there's no echoing. You sound magnificent good. as good, always. Good, good, good. Thank you. Uh filling in for Jake Baldino this week is a very special guest, someone that we are very, very happy to have along. We've been trying to get him onto the podcast since day dot,
2: really? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh even before the podcast was a thing, we're like, we're getting Gene on the podcast. It's happening. Uh it is I am of course speaking about Gene Park. He is are you the only no, you're not the only person reporting games at Washington Post. There's no, at just, least one n- other person I know j- of.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's Nathan Grayson and Shannon Liao. Um, um, That's right, and sure. uh, I was the first one. So, yep. sure, yeah. I
0: started it all there yeah. at uh, at Washington Post uh someone that we really greatly admire does fantastic coverage he and i have never once agreed on a video game i think basically if he, i yeah. like it then he <laughs> hates it if he hates it i'm gonna love it that's generally how it goes you and keep saying that but chatting. i think we've
3: actually generally agreed on a lot of games lately so. yeah probably probably yeah. But, um, but it's just like, no, an ongoing joke because like we, dis- <laughs> we i think we disagreed like harshly like one time and that, that was like, sure, like sure. fuck like yeah so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um no it's really awesome to have you along man how you doing
3: uh, pretty good man uh i'm, I'm happy yeah. to be here uh i'm happy hap- i'm happy to be here on this beautifully named podcast uh i, I understand lucy came up with the name uh, it's um, true it it and uh it's kind of like a, like an avengers of of, of of people here you know of creators Aww. here it's, it's amazing you know um, i'm sad jake's not here jake's another guy <laughs> that i've admired in, uh for a long time and uh, someone whose tastes seems to be completely aligned with mine because we both loved Mad Max game that came out of it like several years ago. So,
0: yeah. He's all about that lately. Yeah, that's yeah. Right, and I really think some is. other people have actually picked up the game again since his recent coverage. They're like, you know what? That, that, that actually was pretty good.
3: That was pretty so good. Well, and I had, to, I had to, speak, to like yeah. retweet him. I was like, man, like, like that was a good game. <laughs> That, that, that really like went under the radar after Phantom Pain came out the same day, basically. So, but it sure. did. It did. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Talk about, about getting shrecked. by that's like that's how that's like uh, Guerrilla Games level stuff. It's where basically really basically Horizon to Horizon Ring Dawn right there. Two, you know? That's baby, right. That's right. So um, so yeah, the I guess the other thing uh that I guess also probably mention um is that you know, Gene, you have been going through something. Very rough, and I guess wanted to sort of acknowledge that at the start of the podcast as well. Um, You you had a diagnosis of cancer, Mm -hmm. um, and that was really heartbreaking for us to hear. Mm -hmm. We're um, really sorry to hear that, but we know that you're in treatment, and that's going, and we just wanted to check in to see how that's going and how you're feeling.
3: Yeah, I'm on the mend, you know. Uh, I was uh, diagnosed with colon cancer uh, a couple months ago, and uh, to be quite honest, you know, like like I didn't know what it was up until the diagnosis, so I thought I was really, really Mm -hmm. sick. Um, but now that I've been getting treatment, I've actually felt better, than, better than I've ever have like this whole year. Um, you know, I'm doing podcasts, you know, like, like I, I've never sounded like this earlier this year. Um, you know, so I, I do feel healthier and, uh, I'm, I'm on the mend, you know, doctor says things are looking real good. Um, and I'm kind of halfway past halfway through my treatments um no side effects you know wow. fingers fingers crossed wow that's fantastic. That, that that's that's huge that's huge because the For doctor sure. was like you know it's about now that that you start feeling everything it was like are you sure you're okay and i was like well I just, but just here's the thing i've i've gotten chemotherapy hiccups which is a thing um and uh that's been the worst side effect that the hiccups will just kind of come up um and the great thing is that i actually have a perfect perfectly foolproof trick to get rid of hiccups it works every time
0: go on okay what is it You have to tell us that's a okay lot. sure yeah yeah
3: you. i actually learned this from aaron henson uh Eagle Raptor, over at the game grumps <laughs> um and i've repeated this trick uh so many times um what you do is uh, if anyone on video you close your eyes hold your breath and then you take your pinkies and then you very very try to lightly touch your eyelid like it needs to be like a, a microfiber of like 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 you can you're like you're barely touching your eyelids like hold it up like 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 up to your your elbows up to your shoulder length and ap- apparently that like moves your diaphragm and your muscles enough and like you're focusing so much on like trying not to touch your eyelid that it actually just heals your hiccups it wow. works every single time uh That's it amazing. is it is a magic trick at the bar when i meet a girl who has hiccups and i'll be like <laughs> hey i can save your night right now hey baby yeah, you just sat right. there
1: you just sat there waiting yeah I, 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 <laughs> I'm just, Hiccup. I'm, okay
3: i'm in i'm just waiting for to to some, some squeaking girl to, to walk by and i'm just say, like, hey i can make your night a lot better with like getting rid of that. <laughs> and it works like, every single time it works every single time like 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 women people would just look at me and I'll be like you are magic and i'm like i know i know <laughs>
0: Take that, Andrew Tate. That is how you (laughs) get a girl, okay? None of this other nonsense. It's about (laughs) curing their hiccups, all right? That's the way to do it. Uh, Uh, yeah, uh, things are going great. uh, I'm getting rid of my hiccups. I'm feeling great. That is is definitely the thumbnail and title of this video, by the way. How to cure your hiccups. One easy trick.
2: How
1: to cure
0: hiccups, not clickbait. Not clickbait. One one easy
2: trick featuring the Game Drops.
0: But with the with the with the pickup trick, it is hashtag gone sexual after that. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's how we get caps, that in there all as caps. well. Okay. Mm-hmm. caps. So uh, look, uh, Gene, uh, wonderful to hear that you're feeling better. That's awesome. Thank you very much for this incredible tip. Uh, we're going to put it to good use, I'm sure. Um, and we're glad that you're here today because we have heaps of console nonsense to talk about. It's been a huge week for ridiculous console wars drama. Right? And Aww. we don't like the console wars, obviously. It's lame. No, but, but we it's love funny. drama. It's funny when the brands start fighting, right? When people on Twitter are being console war idiots, you're like, shut the fuck up. But when the brands start fighting amongst themselves, then we're like, hell yeah, man, it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> ah, and ah- that has been. What's gone down this week when – well, for a variety of things. But the thing that happened just before we started recording was that Jim Ryan issued a rare statement in relation to the acquisition of uh, Activision Blizzard by Microsoft – Dude, uh, you when you see recall. when you
1: see Jim Ryan trending, you're like, oh, it's going to be good. It's going to oh be a good God. one. That's so <laughs> true, isn't it? Like it when good. Phil
0: Spencer's trending, it's always like, we love you Phil. Good Xbox job Phil. Game what Bass, what, Phil. what what done has what good thing has Phil said or done now, right? But when it's Jim Ryan, you're like, oh, this is what he oh. said now. Again, we have to reiterate cuz I know what the podcast with the uh console, we don't give a fuck about pod- about um about console wars, okay? We own all the platforms. We want all the to Seed, whatever else, blah blah blah. It's annoying that I have to say this, but we have to say this at the front. It's so annoying. We're game creators. We have all the stuff. It's
3: we, we of course, and we always have all. all we the We always have all, had all the stuff all the time. For sure,
0: so. for sure, for sure. So uh, the exact statement for um, uh, from Jim Ryan was, uh, and it's actually it, it escapes me now. I'll see if I can pull. Oh, up here I've thread. got. I've got the
1: tweet. I'll, I'll have you draw, got the tweet? Can I'll, you? Because can you well, read it out to me? He's mind? a Geordie, so. I could do it with the intonation that the Lord intended.
3: That's true. I hadn't
1: intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum. Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. Which when is that, by the way? After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. <laughs> <laughs> it is so Undermined. funny. That, it Undermined. is so funny to hear
3: those words out loud too. Like it really <laughs> is funny. It's,
1: the it's, thing is the, thing, is, the thing that gets so, me is when he's like I have to set the record straight. Like he's fucking doing a notes app apology (laughs) or something. It's messy. It's like, it's
3: it's messy messy out here. I have to set the record straight. You know? He's a messy bitch. It's very
0: Kardashian. It's like the last 15 minutes of a Kardashian episode. So. Uh, yeah, so obviously this happens because recently um, Phil Spencer sent, apparently, this is not confirmed, but apparently Phil Spencer sent a, a letter to Jim saying that Call of Duty would remain on PlayStation for several more years after the acquisition goes through, if it goes through. Uh, and then we get this little clap back from Jim. Uh, saying, "Hey, well, that doesn't really work for us." Okay. Uh, so uh, oh, right off the top, Gerard, what do you think of all this? How, how, what do you think of Jim's response and how it's all going down? What's your take? Oh man, uh, to me, it's he's
2: just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there and let everyone fight and just <laughs> shutter island this shit, fade away, evaporate through the walls and let them fight it out. He just wanted to get that one two hit and then. Piece because I this to me sounds like a set it and forget it vibe. He just wants to just want to set the record straight, sure. it's their fault. Bye. Yeah,
1: and that's I mean, it. <laughs> he is right to get messy and public about it. Like, if if COD is gonna get pulled from PlayStation, which I don't think it would be, I think Microsoft absolutely knows that like the value of having their games on other consoles, look like at Minecraft yeah. and the success of that, like, but. They would never, I don't think they would ever pull it completely. Well, I feel like, I feel like maybe Jim is either angling for like a better deal, but like, yeah, sure. they're going to lose all the exclusivity. Like, in my mind, COD like packs, drops, DLC, like the exclusivity has always been with PlayStation or like the vast majority of the time has been with PlayStation. And so you're getting rid of the mindshare of, you know, what people associate with Call of Duty, like where they sure. want to play it. And so Jim's getting messy and I kind of love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think in, I mean I, I think, actually, Gene, Gene what, what's your take on this? What do you think, man?
3: Uh, I kind of agree with Lucy that he's probably just like uh, uh, Just Well, you know, like I also agree with Gerard It just he feel, feels like he just threw a grenade in a room And it just like, <laughs> like He just <laughs> wants to see what happens uh, sure. But also, like, it just sounds like he's trying to buy for time You know, uh, to, to, to kind of Throw it out there uh, I you know, he didn't need to say anything, you know, like, like Phil didn't really say anything that we didn't really already know. So like his, his, his citation of Phil Spencer putting it out in the public was like, well, well, we knew that like several, like several months ago. Like we, Phil sure. hasn't said anything new since since the news that Activision was being bought. Um, so I don't know well, what he was trying to accomplish other than like just really trying to just make the case and trying to stall things, I guess, you know?
0: Well, Correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I do recall one of the filings to one of the um, regulatory bodies globally... Saying Xbox essentially said, we wouldn't, we, we don't want COD. We don't want COD to become an exclusive because the dollars and cents don't line up. Mm. Okay. That's not our plan. Uh, it's unlikely that it would shift. Like we, we basically can't make up our money through an exclusive deal versus the loss of revenue that we would have from taking away from PlayStation. Okay. I definitely remember that was a thing that one of the filings said. Now fast forward, you got a situation where. Phil's basically saying, well, it is going to become an exclusive and it's going to happen inside of six years because the existing agreement is three years and then Phil's talked about another three years on top of that. So you you sort of can't have it both ways. Like either you are going to make it an exclusive and that's what you've told Jim Ryan that you would do or you're not going to make an, an exclusive because the dollars and cents don't line up, which is what your industry, your regulatory filings have said. So if Jim is sort of calling out, Phil's doublespeak on this, then that's a good thing, obviously, because mm-hmm. you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't exactly know what was said, in what context, how binding all of that is. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it it kinda to kind of add to that, Ralph, it kind of feels I mean, I don't know. I when I when I hear Phil Spencer say that he's not about console separation, he wants people to to play on multiple platforms, obviously the value, like we said earlier, of Minecraft being playable on Nintendo Switch, on PlayStation Three, even uh, it, it makes sense to make sure that everyone can get their hands on it. I, it, to me, the vibe might be is that Jim Ryan and PlayStation at large, they see this this opportunity of of a contract renewal and they go, "Well, what if we got a better deal? Mm-hmm. Now that mm. it's it's out of the hands of Activision Blizzard and now in the new parent hands, right? Mm-hmm. The teenager is gone, now the adults come in. <clears throat> let's talk to the parents and see if we can get a better deal and and maybe that and maybe Jim Ryan's using that to his advantage. Maybe he's going, you know what, if I create a a public shitstorm and smack that beehive and get gamers all riled up. It'll it'll make Microsoft rethink how they approach working with us. I I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't care I, either way. I think uh, <laughs> I, I like all consoles and like we said earlier. Uh, I'm I'm all for everyone enjoying whatever they want. But I don't know. This just seems again. I uh, I think uh, Gene said at best. It sounds like he dropped a grenade in a room and then walked away.
0: So. <laughs> sure. I also Do think, you think oh sorry go on. Uh, oh, yeah, no you go.
3: I also think, you know, that uh, Ralph you tweeted earlier uh, about how, you know, it's rich that he's saying this when Sony has been ex- locking exclusives for decades now basically, right?
4: Yeah. Um
3: I don't think he, he Jim Ryan cares that he sounds hypocritical, you know. <laughs> 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 like, I'm, no, like, 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 he's a smart guy. Like, I'm sure he knows it, sure. you know. Uh, uh, you know, and and to be clear, I like Jim. I've always uh, enjoyed my discussions with him, and and he likes to talk to me for some reason. Um, so I do think that he's smart, and he, I think he d- doesn't care that it sounds hypocritical. He's just, he's just saying what 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 these governments might might yeah. need to hear.
0: You know. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, at its core, it is okay. Look. If you really want to suspend and you want to look at this at a very intellectual macro level, you might say that sony's exclusivity deals all happened on an even footing whereby there is a there is a there is a platform for competition mm-hmm. and Xbox could have secured those deals had they positioned correctly paid enough money, whatever else. And that the acquisition of a publisher of this size removes that competitive playing field, okay? So it is a fundamentally different thing. Of course it is absolutely, there. you know, they are different, sure. At the same time, Japan has essentially been a PlayStation exclusive for 30 years, mm. right? That is outside of the Nintendo output. Sony has strategically locked down the very best output from that island or those islands for- 30 years and most of the best and and, and i and i think it is a bit rich for then sony at this point to turn around and be like oh i don't know man That's going to influence people's console's purchase decision, we think. We're not so okay with that as they pay to extend the Final Fantasy VII remake (laughs) exclusive window. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's ridiculous, obviously. But you're right. I think, Gene, I think you're absolutely correct. Where it's like, Jim's a businessman. He knows what he needs to say to get some leverage in this. And that's exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, but do you guys actually think? I mean, I guess we haven't really spoken. Do you think Microsoft should acquire Activision Blizzard? I mean, is this making us rethink oh, that wow. uh, that that equation? Is that is it giving us pause? Like any any thoughts It's funny on that? that
3: there's all this discourse about Call of Duty when I think both Phil and I think the the the, the, the books show that uh, Call of Duty is not the biggest money maker for Activision Blizzard. It's it's the mobile division, right?
1: I was gonna say, sure. everyone always forgets the king in mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard, king, <laughs> ADK, and that's what they're really yeah. buying it for.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think so, it, I go. think if personally speaking just thinking about what's been going on at Activision Blizzard specifically on the Blizzard side for the last several years, if this acquisition attributes or even aids a little bit to the cultures of those companies improving significantly, then mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's good just because um we're at that point now where Activision Blizzard specifically is a company that's been around for 20 plus years. And ha- and is revered and trusted with so many IPs and so many games, and they're coming up with new stuff like Overwatch and Hearthstone, and they Diablo Immortal, yeah, beloved so Diablo up Four, with new stuff very, much. very
1: slowly, <laughs> right? <laughs> so but I mean,
2: slowly. for for a while though, it was literally just we are the World of Warcraft company, right? Like that's yeah. all it really was, and then you know we they no. brought back and
1: Starcraft
0: and Starcraft and, Starcraft and <laughs> Diablo right, but, Starcraft, but, but uh, yeah. There,
2: but there was a while where it was like there was a good you know while where it was like. We only make these two IPs. And then it was suddenly we brought back Diablo. Here's Overwatch. There's an, a card game, Hearthstone. Sure, uh, sure. We're supporting the esports scenes within those communities with StarCraft II and with Overwatch. Like there was a huge shift in how they approached um, taking care of their communities. Mm-hmm. And then we found out all this bad stuff. And now it, it kind of, I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for everyone out there, but it kind of like it makes people feel bad to play Blizzard IP now, right? Like, knowing that so many people. We're in pain, so many bad things happen. So for me, and, and maybe I'm just speaking, you know, candidly, but I, I hope that the very least the, the one positive that comes from this is that Microsoft as the parent company goes, Hey, please stop this and take care of your employees properly and we'll we'll make sure that they're fine. So right, that, because- that's my that's my hope. Sorry, Gene. That's a great
3: take. No, right, because there's just no accountability within Activision. The board isn't going to do anything. The board wasn't going to do anything. You know, uh right. it, yeah. It, it, yeah. you report to the HR that reports to Bobby. So it's like, you know. Uh, sure. a lot I think a lot of people are wondering like what do what do we do with a problem like Activision? And it's like there wasn't much yeah. else to do, I guess, other than take over the company and 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 change the company, you know? Um Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree I mean look I think in an ideal world I probably wouldn't want Microsoft to purchase Activision Blizzard I think that level of industry consolidation especially after Bethesda I think we were talking to Jeff Keighley the other week and he's basically like oh Bethesda plus Activision Blizzard that's essentially half an E3 right there and he was right <laughs> yeah. like, that used to be an entire haul yeah, uh, yeah. They've, they've acquired a massive chunk of the games industry and that sort of consolidation is concerning uh and that's that it goes across the board as well but you know, because obviously Sony are on their own buying spree, but they don't have anywhere near the same purse strings that Microsoft does. It's a completely different equation. They're buying this for nearly $70 billion. Obviously, it gives you pause and you think, well, ideally they wouldn't do that. But there are serious cultural challenges at Activision Blizzard. Uh, if this improves those, then, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And, uh, you know, that's that. But... Yeah, I mean, look, do you do you guys think then it's within Sony's rights to demand uh, a clause that says COD stays non-exclusive, like stays uh, you know multi-platform forever? Do you think that's fair or unfair? I think they're lucky they, they're, they're that. getting
3: three years extra on top of for three years. That's what that, right. You know, okay. I think they're lucky. Yeah, right.
0: You know, sure. I don't
1: know. I think at the end of the day, like Jim does bring up the point where it's like it's our gamers, and it's like you know it's beyond the dick waving of buying you know spending billions of dollars on company and ip it's like at the end of the day it is the people who are playing the games who are going to be the ones to suffer there if like you know we talked about like we have everything we are exceedingly lucky in that regard that our jobs allow us the resources and the means to be able to have every console not everyone has that and if call of duty is your One big game that you buy every year and you are only a PlayStation gamer because you made a decision at one point. You're like, okay, this seems to be where the games are going, like, that I want to play. They're in line with what I want. And then if card one day isn't there anymore, Mm. that fucking sucks. And, like, it has nothing to do with you. We are the type of people who follow this shit. But, like, you know, talking to my family when they're like, oh, I don't know what game to buy. And just, like, me explaining to them, like, different sequels and different like the difference between ps4 and ps5 some people who enjoy play and play games like they just don't have the same breadth of knowledge and like you could be locked into owning a system and then end up in a couple years not being able to play or buy the games that you want because of some business deal like this so yeah no that's yeah. that's
0: it but obviously and then the flip side is that so uh, you know, Xbox people are like, Well, welcome to our world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's been the way <laughs> <Yeah>. of it <laughs> for, for, for the last. Yeah, yeah. So how do you like them apples? <laughs> uh, and I think that's where the conversation is is gonna continue and whatever else. But uh, well, what's your bet? Do you reckon this merge is gonna go through or not? Like what what, what what odds would you put on it? Yes, I think um, I'm, I'm gonna go say through. it's not gonna I happen. It's gonna I, go I go through.
2: think I I think it's gonna go sure. through and I think if they do any other major acquisition after this, that's where the, the fisticuffs are coming. Yeah, that's sure. where yeah. all well, the governments going to go, the, Hey,
3: you can't do this.
2: Who is it? The sure. FTC.
1: That's when they'll be like, uh, uh I don't yeah. know about that one. Yeah. I and I think, think, okay. long.
3: Microsoft. I think Microsoft yeah. will probably lose the public in that regard too. Cause it's like, okay, well that's, so. that's too much, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Cause yeah, it's already a lot. Like, like, like Jeff said the other week, like that's half of E3. That's it's already so much. You
0: know. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: For remember, sure, remember sure. when the the scuttlebutt was they were going to buy like Sega. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Imagine sure. the alternate timeline sure. where that. I,
2: I yeah. A that that second conversation news. I kept hearing time and time again. I thought When I heard Activision Blizzard, I was like, Whoa! whoa, 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 whoa where's the second conversation? That was that was the news we were all talking about for a little bit. Sure. Dude,
1: do you think that if they bought Sega, it would be a acquisition? Because <laughs> they would get
0: <laughs> We're all clapping. The mics thank are you, muting it, but you. we're all clapping. God damn you, microphones! The stupid technology robs us of the, robs Ruby of uh, the, uh, um, Lucy of the applause she needs. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Perfect. Very, very good. Thank you, Lucy. You know what's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be really funny if all these Square acquisition oh, yeah. come true about Sony. It'd be so hilarious if in a month from now Jim Ryan announces proud that that joint Welcome to the Family" image and Square Enix's logo is there. I mean. I just, oh, God, the irony in that moment is going to be so thick. And uh, Phil just even...
1: tweets, oh, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> Phil will just do, like, the rolling eyes emoji. Like we never have time for anyway,
5: so whatever. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that's all he'll do. Oh,
1: no,
5: God. No, Phil will well, do look, something one... like,
1: I'm um, oh, just enjoying playing Call of Duty on my Xbox or <laughs> something, like, that's right. underhanded.
0: Yeah. It Well, look, that wasn't the only uh, Sony news this week because obviously there was a lot of capital D discourse about The Last of Us Part 1, which dropped. It feels like a long time ago that it dropped, but it was like, what, six days ago now, even though it feels like six months plus. Um, So obviously we had a chat about this before on the podcast and we questioned whether or not that game is going to earn its $70 price tag. The game is now out. Uh, It has achieved an 88 on Metacritic, suggesting that certainly the critics believe that this is a worthwhile release. Uh, But even those outlets were sort of critical of the, I guess the whether this is whether this was needed, you know, it was kind of like, cool, it's still a great game and they've done a pretty good job with this remake slash remaster. But you probably didn't need to do this, I think was the general consensus. I think outside of the commentariat, uh there's general agreement that the $70 price tag is way too high. Uh when I uploaded my video for that, that was like one of the most disliked videos I've done in years. Wow. Because I was wow, like really Yeah, well yeah, because I was like, look, I recommend this depending on how much you want to pay for it. Like, I'm not going to tell you how much you should pay for it, but the the product itself is good. And I would recommend getting it at whatever price point you feel. Yeah. At whatever price point you feel comfortable with, but there was just a lot of dislikes and a lot of, a lot of anger in that. Mm -hmm. Um, I like, everyone's like, oh, shill up is back. <laughs> Haven't seen classic shill up in a while. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Uh, but people really feel legitimately uh, ripped off by this. They feel as though it doesn't do enough to justify that price tag. They're uncomfortable with $70 as a price point at all, let alone for a remake. That people a lot of people don't feel is a remake. They think it's more of a remaster. It doesn't go far enough. So I guess wanted to sort of check in with you guys now. Cause first of all, have we all played it? Gene, I know you have. Mm-hmm. Loose, have you yeah. played And Gerard, have you had a chance to play it yet? No. You haven't played it. Okay. I cool, was cool. I
2: was at uh I was at PAX.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: That'll do it. That'll yeah. do it. That's that's yeah. I mean you don't need to play, um, it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um but you can still contribute to the conversation in the sense that it's the same game, you know, like it's still the same game. Okay, not quite. Like There are some notable changes, I think. But um, but obviously a lot of people feel not far enough. So let's just check in. Do we feel as though this game has earned that $70 price tag? Luce, what's your take? Gun to head. I'm going to say to no, you, you've got $70 in your no. pocket right now. Okay, all right. Okay. Unlike- On what basis? What do you think?
1: So I've been playing it again and, you know, this is – the third or something time that I've played The Last of Us, and it's like, yeah, I like it. I think the visual upgrades are definitely fantastic. I think it feels better to play. I think the real unsung hero uh, is definitely the audio. I remember seeing people tweeting about, like, the audio is ridiculous, and so I dug out my headset. I've been playing with it. It's been great. Mm. The accessibility options, fantastic. Um, part of me, the, I mean, the fact that there's no factions or multiplayer, like, mm, but the seventy dollars is, is sticks in the craw for many already. Like game development is very expensive, we know this. Um, and seventy bucks for a game that came out ten years ago, with no, and like this is your mileage may vary. Where it comes to the phrase, like what a meaningful update to this game would be, um, yeah, I don't know if it is worth seventy, and like it's art your your value of, like, what something is worth is going to be very different. But, like, for a full, full price game that will probably end up, and I don't say this with malice because people worked really hard on this game in Naughty Dog, and it clearly shows, like, it's fantastic. I still love it. It'll end up on PlayStation Plus or it'll be in mm-hmm. certainly the premium tier
5: mm-hmm, or the game sure.
1: catalog very, you know, six to 12 months time.
5: Mm-hmm,
1: um, sure. The thing that I think as well is, like, these accessibility options were not in the remaster, right? Like the nope. And so that's kind of another part of the equation where it's like, is this some kind of like disability tax that you have to pay this amount of money to play the game at all? Which is oh, a whole sure. other conversation that I think we would need to get someone way more versed in the topic. Like sure. we should get Steven Spawn on the podcast in general, but like I think he'd be mm-hmm. really great to talk to you about this issue. Yeah, um yeah. And so, yeah, I have very mixed feelings about it because I'm playing it and I'm enjoying it, and I'm doing that weird thing where I was like, "Huh, the trophy's different. I could get the platinum on this one without having to do grounded. I could probably do that." So I'm kind of working my way, and I'm enjoying it. But like, yeah, seventy bucks is difficult for me.
0: Mm, mm, sure. So, Gene, I know you are a massive Last of Us one and two fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you've, have you actually finished this, have you finished part one twice now? Did I've, you tell me? i played it four times finished? already now, by right now. Wait, four times yeah. already? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? here's the thing.
3: I what? always hear all these reviews and say, you know, like like Greg Miller or Lucy, you know, I say, like, oh yeah, I played it three or four times, like total, right? And it's like, I played The Last of Us, like, over and over again on the PS3. Like, t- like dozens of times. It was a game that I loved playing over and over again because like like i knew everything it was really comfortable you know Mm -hmm. and i and i know that's a weird thing to say for such a depressing dour game uh but it was no i
1: get it yeah I used to listen to like murder podcasts and that would be mm-hmm. my comfort thing. Mm-hmm. I move past that. Sure. But like I get I get the comfort in ah. the like knowing stuff mm-hmm. and and like it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, like it's comfort.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And like I look at The Last of Us as, you know, and I don't mean this as an insult to the game itself, but like, you know, I look at it as a like simple Resident Evil 4, you know? Where like <laughs> like, like like there's just not a lot going on in the gameplay besides punching and shooting zombies and walking through environments and like picking stuff up you know you don't have to worry about where the stuff goes anywhere you're just mm. hoovering up stuff you know and and like it just like connects to a lizard brain stuff of mine like i have infinite like like crafting options on when i play the last of us mm. and i'm still going around picking stuff up you know i don't need <laughs> any of that stuff but like like i'm pretending that joel needs to say oh well let's look around and see what's what's around here ellie and then i do that because like, i like playing the role of joel Going around picking stuff up, Ellie, you know, like, like that's fun <laughs> to me, you know, because I like these characters and I like doing that, that over and over again. So that's why, like, in my review in the Washington Post, like, I likened it to, uh, like, like playing a role play, like, like you're, you're, you're playing a role, you know, and the, I think Noah Gervais uh, on, on YouTube and even Tim Rogers has also kind of made that, uh, that comparison where it feels like you're playing like, like a role in the theater and you're, you are Joel, and Joel is a fun character to kind of be, and he controls better now. Um, the gameplay modifiers stuff, like, it's very specific to my taste, but I love slow motion bullet time effects, and the fact that they added that in uh, to The Last of Us uh, as an unlockable after you beat the game once, that's why I beat the game twice, because it's like you unlock all that stuff after you beat it, and it's like, okay, well, let me run through the game again with full, loot, full loadout, which is an option that was not available in the first game, so you can Shoot those first guys at uh, test shoots with an assault rifle, as opposed to your little pea shooter, right? And then I'm just running through the game, shooting everybody with my assault rifle in slow motion, like uh, like I'm Neo, Neo Joel, like 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 Neo is a is a is a hobo, you know, and he's just running through and just killing everybody he sees, and that's just so fun to me, you know. Um, sounds
0: like a Resident Evil, like, uh, speed run, you know, after you finish it a bunch of times and then you just yep. play it again and again and again and do it yeah. faster every time. I'm mean basically
3: playing like a Resident Evil game, basically, you know? Sure, yeah. sure, so sure. I, you know, like, so for me, I, I bought the game at $70. I got it, I got the code for it and I just bought it again,
0: you know? Mm. You're right. And so do you, so in your mind then... It does deserve that seventy dollars price. For take, someone like company, me, it's 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 not
3: really much of a question um, if <laughs> I really love The Last of Us, and I do, it, which is such a weird thing to say because it's not even one, like one of my favorite games of all time, you know. But sure. like I, I just love playing it, and um, mm. and I loved playing Last of Us Part Two too, you know, like like just going around murdering murdering all of Seattle as Ellie is just so much fun too. Um, <sighs> and
1: Gene, like, G- I think you, I saw you tweet this where you were like. It's a cinephile buying a 4K. Exactly. Like, exactly. Mm, it's like me with Lord of the Rings. Like, I have mm-hmm. VHS, DVD, extended editions on DVD, mm-hmm. uh, regular editions on DVD, uh, the whole collection. And then last year or two years ago, I spent $120 buying the UHD Blu-rays sure. with the new regrade. And it was literally like yep. the fucking Malibu Stacy, but she's got a new hat. Yeah. It's, like, it's, the, same <laughs> the, it's the same movie. It's the same movie we same watched show. back when In we were kids, right? And so like, <laughs> when I say I don't feel The Last of Us is worth the $70 to me, it's like, because maybe I, I'm i not doing what Gene's doing. I'm not like playing it through over and over again. I like the game a lot. I, I love uh, the, left, the Left Behind DLC a lot. But it's like, I'm not taking that extra step to, you know, I have to complete my collection. I have to have. Mm -hmm.
3: And I just bought the Lord of the Rings 4K UHD too. It's It's so so good. It's really good. (laughs) It's amazing. You know, I love it. Uh, That's the fourth box set of the Lord Lord of the Rings I bought. And the Godfather too. You know, I bought the Godfather box sets like five times, you know,
0: it's like literally I've got, RoboCop, Godfather, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, it's all there, man. I guess that was sort of the point that I was making in my video Mm -hmm. as well, which is, you know, we don't really have these conversations when it comes to music and movies. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're like, yeah, I'm going to buy it again and it's going to look slightly better. And I'm going to pay the same price or more. Why do you think it is in the world of video games? Is it purely to do with the fact that audiences have been conditioned to expect X, Y, and Z up to this point and this bucks the trend. Why do you think we have this conversation about, oh, that's not worth $70, you know, even though it looks, and again, I made the point in the video where the, the visual leap between this and the previous one is gigantic. Mm-hmm. And the visual leap that we get from the new version of Lord of the Rings is, like, a little bit better if you really squint, you know? Hey, so hey.
1: what? what?
0: <laughs> and the, and the colour grade, which a lot of people don't like. But why do, do you guys think that this exists in this medium and not others?
1: I do you think, think it's because gamers still have a We have a kind of like a – we have the chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. You like, you know, I mean, if you think about it, we're a, a relatively – it's a relatively new medium – that I guess has under has has withstood more scrutiny than movies and, and TV shows just for merely existing, right? Um if it's not years of uh oh mum's basement, that kind of stuff. Oh, you're a nerd for playing video games. And mm. so maybe I don't know, it's kind of like this ingrained, in and I'm sorry, I just had COVID, so I'm a bit flabby and I sound disgusting.
2: You're doing Which great. Undermines <laughs> my <laughs> point. You didn't even know like,
1: <laughs> Crush you. You it. know, it's like we kind of feel like we are owed because we have had to with go through like a bunch of people picking on us until video games were cool, and that's that is a idea that I flung out. It's certainly not the it's case for everyone, idea. but it's an interesting, like, kind of more psychological approach to it, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure, I think, yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah, the price point is the issue. To me, at the end of the day, it's an expensive fucking hobby. At the end of the day, it's ex- yeah. I mean, I mean, look, this is the third time this game has been released again, and it's yeah. not a matter of like, yes, the the comparisons that you've made, Ralph, about you know VHS to to DVD to Blu-ray to Ultra Edition, absolutely a hundred percent. If the seventy dollars price tag was the special edition that included all of the bells and whistles that you would normally get in the special edition anniversary type thing of a game, then I would absolutely say the mm. price is justified. However, mm. um, the 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 true question is who is this game for? Mm. And if it's for the fans that originally played The Last of Us to play it again for the third time, that's why the $70 price tag is an issue. Mm-hmm. It's to me it's if you're going to if you're going to have the way that I would do it because I'm, you know, such a great person to influence for this whole thing, right? Is I would make it, if I was Sony, I would have gone, hey, according to PlayStation Plus and your PlayStation account and your PlayStation Network account, you have purchased The Last of Us on PS3 Mm -hmm. and on PS4 Remastered. So Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. buying the game for the third time. Mm -hmm. Here's your discount code the game is 30 bucks.
3: That'd be a huge win.
2: You do yeah, that. I agree. You do that. You're immediately saying thank you to the fans mm-hmm, who purchased mm-hmm. the game before. Here are the upgrades. The upgrades you're paying for are a little more on the accessibility side, a little more on the visual fidelity. You don't have that feeling of FOMO, and you don't have to feel guilty for spending $70 mm-hmm. on a game that you would otherwise would love to play but not spend 70 bucks. And Lucy, you just something that I immediately thought about because I always buy games even if I'm given codes. Because I believe the world goes round. If you want to support something you believe in, you got to spend that money. Nothing is free, right? Uh, In the case of The Last of Us, um, it's it's that situation of, I'm going to wait until Mm -hmm. PlayStation Plus. It's going to come to PlayStation Plus. I'm okay waiting because I've played the game twice before. And uh, most people who have a PlayStation 5 right now are the most hardcore of hardcore gamers. And everyone else out there can't get a PS5. Because you can't even buy one. So if this is for an audience that has never experienced The Last of Us, the people who don't even have a PlayStation 5 can't experience it anyways. So to me, it's like you're marketing it to the hardcore gamers who played the first two games, who played the remaster. That's why $70 is, is kind of the hard sell for this, in my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm show sure. my thought is uh well one if the ps4 remaster didn't exist then i feel like the conversation would, 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 would kind of change you know i if, agree yeah if 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 we if it wasn't playable on a ps4 that and like a 60 frames per second good version already that like, didn't exist and then, then then this probably wouldn't be a problem because the ps3 version looks old as hell you know
2: yeah, yeah and it, i think if correct me if i'm wrong but i think the remaster of the last of us was a launch day PS Plus title on PS Five. Yeah, and
3: it had factions too. So yeah,
2: yeah.
0: and it had factions. Yeah, um, that's but, brutal.
3: To go back to your question, Ralph, about why uh, we don't talk about this uh, in terms of movie or music, you know, because album releases are always being released. You know, how, how many fucking re-releases the Beatles have had over the, over the decades? Sure, you know? Fleet um, Mac, baby. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the reason why is because video games are at this weird intersection of art and product, like technical product so like it's kind of like you know obviously it's art right like like that's not even a conversation here but it's like it's it's also a technical product it's it's a it's a it's a feat of engineering um and maybe to some folks it's kind of like buying a 2013 camry at 2022 uh price you know like it's it's more sure. product than anything else. And I think a lot of people kind of look at that because look at how many people are are, are, are gauging games based on, like, times engaged with, you know? Yeah. Mm. And and that's just part of, like, our, our mindset, you know, like, for, for a lot yeah. of people, you know?
0: I think that's a really good point. I totally yeah. agree with that. I haven't even really considered that, but, um, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think as well, well, I mean, sort of a separate point, but, I mean, that upgrade path thing right that is something that you can do uh, by virtue of our medium you know like the upgrade path for lord of the rings 4k mm. meh, that's not really a thing but by virtue of the way that we package and and buy games that is going to be uh, an option for us mm. and yeah i think it is a huge i think it was a big mistake for sony not to do something like that mm. um, what, what what's your sense overall of of how this is going Im- to impact sony's kind of Current positioning in the market because I think that they're having some struggles. I, I think uh, Phil Spencer's is very good at PR. I think Jim Ryan is really, really bad at it. Right? Uh, what do you guys think about what this sort of what? What impact will this have on PlayStation's brand overall? Do you think?
1: I don't think it. I like. I genuinely don't think it'll matter when God of War comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. I
1: think I think everyone will fucking forget about it.
0: Right. I
1: think I think that's like to Sony's benefit is they have these absolute jewels of IP mm-hmm. that are just like you can just dangle and people will just go.
0: Sure. Well,
1: we so. also.
2: I also. I think we talked about this a long time ago in our in our uh, pre production uh, friends. Per the, lost, the lost the tapes. The lost <laughs> tapes, which none of you will ever sure. see because the secrets <laughs> we divulge. Um, I, I think I said this, and it's the kind of thing where. We as a gaming community online, right, games journalists, game influencers, streamers, games media at large, we think everyone in our community is plugged in Mm 24-7. We think the internet, we think reading articles online, we think all of us are in the known. the drip feed conversation connects with us. But in actuality, there's a large portion of the world that is nowhere near connected as we all think. And so you can go to the store today, and you can see a guy with the Last of Us. You know, I think Alana Pierce told a story on on one of her videos. Is like, you know, she went to uh, the grocery store and saw a guy with the Last of Us uh, tattoo, and it was before Last of Us Two came out, where a lot of the controversial leaks and stuff were coming out. The story, and Alana goes like, "Oh wow, what a great tattoo! Uh, Are you excited for the second game?" And He's like, "Oh, I'm so excited." And she goes, "Oh, you must be bummed about the news then." He goes, "I don't know what you're talking about." Mm-hmm. Like that precedence is we all think we're in the know, but in actuality there's a lot of people out there mm-hmm. who kind of get to live blissfully peacefully yes. in, in their mean, own like, bubble.
1: It's when people say like the the number of people who are on Twitter compared to, you know, the world population. And it's like it's so easy to get caught up in like you were saying, like online stuff, being chronically yeah. online as we all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um like I don't know. I know people I went to school with and they're like, oh, I don't have Twitter. I don't have Instagram. I don't have it. I don't do any of that. I'm like, so
0: jealous of them. What are you? Yeah, oh my right. God. That <laughs> would be such a great life.
1: Like, <laughs> I would, I don't know. I feel like I would live that life, but I'm too far gone.
0: That's right. It's
5: too yeah, late God. for us now. It's, it's way it, too, we're late. too
1: late. We're, we're it's here. This is
2: it.
0: <sighs> oh man. And I guess final question, which is a risky one, but uh, playing through the game again, did it make you, did it reframe your thoughts around last of us part two at all? Ooh, that's an interesting, interesting question. Uh, I'll start first. I
3: Because one thing I noticed about this game is that I think I noticed Joel smiling more. And I feel like that they added those faces in. Mm. Like, <clears throat> there's a moment when Joel like opens a grate and a big rat comes out and Ellie's like, oh, that's a big rat. And then like Joel kind of looks back at her and smirks. And I'm just like, I don't remember that from the PS3 version. So I feel like that they added... Like a few more moments of warmness in well, mm-hmm. obviously, in their faces during the acting, right? But like, even during the gameplay, um, it kind of makes me appreciate part two even more because, like, you know, like I, like, I really do feel like that part two, like, really respected their relationship and, uh, and where it was going. So, I do feel like that so much of what happened, in part, what happens in part two makes sense, you know, like, like people will be like, oh, I wish Ellie was joking more. I wish she wasn't so murderous. And it's like, Dude like like she immediately hit Bill after after he handcuffed her like like she is mm. like she is like jumping at people to fight and like stab them and murder. But she was going to stab Joel, right? The it, first memory in the door, yeah. so, so when when you see that you're like, "Oh, okay, of course she would go to Seattle and just kill everybody." You know? Mm. Because she's that kind of person. Yeah, sure. She's been that kind of person. She's lived in this world for for such a long time, you know?
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, interesting about question. You, Luce? Is it any-
1: Honestly, I only. So the reflections? No, so I only played Last of Us Part Two once, but it's been that game that I felt over the past couple of months or so. Maybe it's because I've seen you know stuff about the of Part One, the HBO show. I'm like, oh, I could go, I could go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like enjoying. Is it doesn't feel like the right word. It feel Amazing. it felt like something that I experienced and I was fully devoted to, and like I loved. Um, but like, I, I definitely have the separation from it, but replaying part one has made me want to go back and just experience it again. So I, I don't know. Like it's been really mm. nice being back in that world. I feel like it's, a, um, it's very well realized mm. with very specific rules in, in like the game world and in the mm. lore and in the story that I kind of just really gravitate towards also cause it's really dark and I love depressing shit. <laughs> um so I don't know. I, I wanna go back to it. Maybe yeah. maybe if I have time, but you know, the next couple months there's no games coming out, it's fine.
0: No, no, that's not no. Well, let me October, add quick, November are famous the, the, for the
3: Let me add also real quick to be critical of the of the remake. Uh I do think that, you know, it obviously would have been a lot more fun if they added like dodging and prone and and stuff like that. Yeah. And like I feel like that they could have like done a little bit more to the level design or like have like a remix version where like the enemies are enemy placements are different. Anything, anything to to make it. Like 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 different, but it's pretty much the same. Sure. So, yeah. So it did, yeah, I, it made definitely... me miss Ellie's movements a lot more. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. right. That's the thing. I feel like yeah.
1: I have enough distance from that where it's it's mostly the muscle memory from part one kicking mm-hmm. in rather than remembering yes. just how agile Ellie was.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Sure. 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 Yeah. For me, look playing through it again, it didn't really change my perspective on two. it. Kind of just reinforced it in many ways because I realize that number one has I think it's ultimately everyone's going to have their own take on this but I think it's ultimately quite a beautiful story despite its darkness Mm -hmm. you know and I think that it's like the Firefly thing is like when you're lost in the darkness look for the light I think that was the essence of one and that's what made it bearable Uh, and I think two completely loses that and so that's why I really didn't enjoy that time and and going Mm. back and playing one again, I was reminded of, Oh, there is this subtle beauty that kind of flickers at moments Mm -hmm. and then eventually kind of like, you know, bursts into this, this relationship between the two of them or blossoms or blooms, I should say. Um, yeah, that that was always. It's always very special. Um, and similarly, there's this real sort of swashbuckling quality to Number One. Mm-hmm. You know, like the sort of adventures that they're going on. They have this sort of rollercoaster kind of vibe to them. Mm-hmm. Versus Two is, I think, much more of a like a tread through the jungle. Like you have to sort of hack away at it with a machete. Every inch feels so hard fought. Um, it's like the roller coaster is always going up and it's never doing that mm. fun down thing you know yeah, um, yeah which is why i made so the comparison
3: I'm, to Resident Evil 4 in part 1 because like it does mm. kind of feel like a roller coaster kind of like a ride where it's like it's so well paced so it, like it, yes, it does feel yes, pleasurable yes, you yes. know whereas part 2 mm. is terribly well well paced i think you know like like honestly in terms of like what, what kind of emotions you go through you know
0: sure yeah for sure for sure but, um, but yeah, that's it. It's uh 69.95 at your local video games retailer. Pick it up now while it's really expensive. <laughs> Get it before Sony increase the price because that's <laughs> the thing that Sony do. Suddenly they just I'm do joking. that. I'm joking. Uh, it, is, it is badly timed along with their uh, the, the price hike of the PS5. Uh, the new models just rolled out as well with new componentry. It doesn't affect us, but... Uh, there's a new model PS5. Don't worry, it's the same for a us. Bit lighter. But, but little, little, little bit lighter. But <laughs> for everybody else, it's just the same PS5. Only now it's more expensive. Um, and uh, and that's that. But look, we obviously have uh, been talking about Sony plenty, and we've been uh, having a bit of a dig here and there. What say we have a bit of a dig at Microsoft? Team Bring now, just to keep Ooh. it fair wow. and balanced. Nin-
1: Nintendo's that's, getting off scot free this episode, that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, If we started talking about Nintendo, I'd get demonetized. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Look, um, as, as the so. Nintendo shill
2: of this podcast, <laughs> I will allow us to not talk about Nintendo. For <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much. You're welcome, But uh, it was
0: a rough week for uh, Xbox Ugh. in the context of their flagship uh, IP, which is Halo, obviously. Um, is it fair to still
1: call Halo the flagship IP? Oh, God, point? that
0: question hurts in itself. i so that, very, sorry. That, but that I... question... But I, I agree. I mean, look. Obviously, you've got Forza, which doesn't have the same sort of broad appeal, but it is universally adored. Minecraft um, too, obviously. Minecraft, mm-hmm. yeah. Minecraft, obviously. Um, I mean, Gears of War's pretty second tier now. I think. I don't think Gears of War's ever going to be that kind of it feels top like tier. It's
1: been dormant for a bit too long at this point.
0: I think they make good games, but Me I do. just think that whole. I liked. I really liked the last Gears game, but Me even too. then, you can kind of see how it fits into a more narrow niche of mm-hmm. the video game space versus something like Halo, which you imagine everyone is going to play and talk about. It's going to dominate the scene, whatever else. But Halo Infinite uh, had a rocky, had a fantastic launch, I would say. It's great. Uh, and then a very rocky post launch period owing to some technical issues, but also mainly to do with, um, the the online side where it's a live service we were sort of promised lots of content that would flow uh, that certainly wasn't the case we're now in season two uh, and there's been very few new maps or modes uh, in addition there was plenty of missing content um, for the multiplayer so missing content on the on the on the single player stuff as well mind you uh, campaign co op still not available mm-hmm. but this week things got worse because three four three issued an update and the headline offerings were number one Forge is coming. That's the map creation tool. That's coming towards the end of the year and it does look pretty cool. So that's nice. That's great. Number two, the current season is being extended until March of next year, meaning season two will be a total of 10 10 months months. long. That is crazy in the world of live services. You can make a whole human being in between that time. (laughs) Destiny will have put out <laughs> essentially almost four seasons in that same amount of time to Halos 1. Uh, and most games, really, that are operating a live service are doing it that sort of cadence. Uh, and the big one is that Couch Co-op, that's been cancelled. It's been promised uh, repeatedly. It was promised as a mainstay, non-negotiable feature after Halo 5 and everyone was so pissed off about it. Uh, 343 have announced this week, hey, not so much. And even though it actually works because someone found a workaround to actually get Couch Co-op working on the Xbox Series X, it's playable. It works fine. Even though that works, 343 have announced that it is um, been officially cancelled and they will not push that feature. So, did I miss anything in the, that? And Gene, did you think did I get it all? Oh, that's that, that's all the bad news. Yeah, that's it's all the bad news. Uh so I guess it's just a, a moment to sort of check in on how we're feeling about Halo Infinite, three four three, etc. Um, I mean, first of all, we all played Halo Infinite. Yes, Has anyone here not played it? Who mm-hmm. played it? Cool. I played. I played for a couple uh, hours. Yeah, right. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Have our thoughts on the. Uh, the launch of the game have those thoughts changed or do we do we still feel the same way we did you know when when it first came out or what's that Uh, gene do you want to kick us off sure uh i gave the
3: campaign a 10 10 uh and a lot of people like to 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 go after me for that it's a huge number it's a huge number i really like the campaign and i still do sure and you know like a lot of people make fun of me for saying that it's a game that i'll play for decades and it's like you know what i played the halo infinite campaign two nights ago you know i played all the way through i enjoy it you know um, you, mm. you, as you guys heard, I enjoy replaying games over and over again. You know, so uh, yeah, I, what are
2: you, Gene, the completionist? Stick to <laughs> your lane buddy, Jesus,
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> dude. This is why He's I love you, so much right? is, I like, is, is, This guy is, is, is after is. my own heart. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I enjoyed the campaign and I still do. And obviously, you know, every, ta- every single time anyone criticizes Halo Infinite, you-, you always have to say, oh, but the core gameplay is good and the fundamentals are good. Because it is. It is. It just it, it is objectively good. And, yeah. you know, I called it one of the best first best feeling first person shooters. And it still is. Um, yeah. And For I think sure. one of my Twitter followers said er- earlier today, it's like we wouldn't be wanting more content if this was a bad game. Because the game is yeah, so hundred percent. Because this game is so fun, we want to do. We want more stuff to do in it. They just haven't done that at all. So.
0: Yep. Yeah, yep, yep, Sure, sure, sure. And, Luce, what are you looking back on your initial feelings of Halo uh, Infinite at launch? Do you know, have s- they evolved?
1: I had such a good fucking time playing Halo Infinite at launch. It was the. It was the first time in a long time where a bunch of my friends and I were like, "Okay, mm. it's ten p.m." I've mm-hmm. got a beer. So let's true. squat up. Let's just play. And like, we were having so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. it, and to Gene's point, it feels so good to play. It mm-hmm. just, and there were moments when I was playing it, it would be like, you know, the game would just sing and it would be just it, some incredible gaming moments that like I certainly cherish and like think on fondly. But right now, no one I know is playing. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. might hop on on a lunchtime or something and be like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is still a great game. But, this is the same stuff I was playing at launch. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I spent 20 bucks on it overall. I bought the battle pass and I bought cat ears. And <laughs> everyone bought the cat ears. Everyone bought the cat ears. And I was You're like, sure. I, um, I, you know, I'm That's a- all you
3: can do. You just buy the cat ears. That's all. Yeah, so that's the only like, thing <laughs> left to I do in the game. Out,
1: even if I grind out that battle pass, right? It's like, I, first of all, I'm not seeing any of this shit like a different Mm -hmm. color arm plate like yeah yeah that's not what i would consider a meaningful unlock or upgrade Mm -hmm. um you still get the the great moments of oh okay i've completed a challenge or i've completed one of my dailies that feels good to do like checking stuff off uh boxes going up ticks yeah great but at the the end of the day it was like okay i I need more from this and the thing about the couch cop is like I personally wasn't going to play it in couch co-op but I remember so many of my friends being like I'm going to hold on the campaign until I can play it like with my brother or with my sister or with my friend just like we did when we were kids like mm. that's what I'm holding out for and then you know 343 three going yeah, yeah yeah it's coming it's coming it's coming it's just gonna take a little bit and then no nah. that's
0: that was my next question really like how big a deal is couch co-op actually because obviously you know it drops and everyone has their feelings about it but is it is it is it fake outrage in inverted commas to complain about this, or is Couch Co-op still a really big deal in twenty twenty
3: two? I think the outrage is more uh, about the the broken promise rather than the missing feature. You know, sure, um, sure, because you know, like, like I, I'm not going to play it. You know, a lot of a lot of folks might not, but then you know, a lot of folks will because you know, like. If I had a son, I'd be like, here, your son, let's let's play this together. This is what I what dad and I what, what dad used to do back in the day and we're gonna do this right now, you know? Mm. Um so that part is missing, you know. Um mm. yeah.
2: I, I, I agree with Eugene, and not only that, but I also think it's it's not just that it's a missing feature, it's a missing staple mm-hmm. in identity mm-hmm. of Halo. Mm-hmm. If Halo never yeah. had this feature, I don't think anyone would care as much. It wouldn't have but happened. it's yeah. it wouldn't yeah. But like a lot of what made Halo so popular over the years was that couch co-op experience, right, of, of the split screen. And more importantly, not to like blow smoke up the ass of old technology, but playing split screen on a CRT TV that's 32 inches – is a different experience than playing split screen co op on a seventy inch TV in four K ultra <laughs> high definition, right? Like for you're sure. basically bringing another monitor over to your friend's house without having to do that. So it feel, it feel it feels like the missing feature is is kind of a missing promise in in that way. Yep.
0: For sure. I think the, the obvious byproduct of all of this is that uh, hashtag Fire343i or Industries was trending on Twitter when all this went down. And people are basically like, we've had enough. It's time to move on to a different developer that 343 have had their shot. And it's time to give another developer a chance at this IP. Potentially one of the Activision studios if that deal goes through because you've got plenty of studios in that um, in that bucket that know how to make a good shooter. Uh, what do you guys think about that discourse? Do you think it's uh, harsh? Do you think it's fair? Do you think uh, 343 have had their shot? Uh, what do you guys think? Luce, will you kick us off?
1: I mean, I think hashtag fire 343i is so much easier to say in practice than it is to actually do. Like 343 Industries mm-hmm. is a studio set up to be the custodians of the Halo franchise. Like, it's not as easy as just copy, copy, hey, let's copy my drive and give it to another studio and they can pick up where we <laughs> sure. left off. Right? Like <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the amount of talent that is in there, the amount of money that's been pumped into that studio, whether Microsoft sees that as like sunk cost at this point, like the, I just don't think it's feasible for at least at this point, especially with Halo Infinite being a live service game and to be the. It's, you know, infinite. It's in the name. <laughs> and, like, the yeah. fact that they're working yeah. on uh, the Master Chief collection all at the same time, like, it's very difficult to unshackle that from 343 and hand it over to another studio. Yes, there will have been support studios that have been helping out on Halo, but, like, I don't know. Like, unless it was going to be an entirely new game, like, completely free of, you know, the old Bungie engine that they're probably still using. Oh, no, no the, the, what is it, the new one? They have a new Slipstream engine. Slipstream, um, Slip yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you have to take engine into consideration. Like if they are going to give it to a new studio, are they going to make it in a, what's the call of duty engine instead? Like, you know, that would be mm-hmm. a very different feeling and looking game at the end of it. Like, mm. I don't know. I think it's an, it's an interesting proposition, but not one that I think would be a reality at least immediately because, again, a lot of money involved in staffing up um, a studio, even even ones that have shipped, like, huge first-person shooter. you know, you might want to get, like, some people from Halo to make sure that the lore is right or whatever. Um, so it's an interesting proposition, but one that also sucks with the people at 343. Like, no one wants to make a bad game. No, no. And course, it fucking no. sucks that this has happened to Halo. But you also have to question... How the fuck this has happened to Halo? Mm -hmm. Like this is Mm -hmm. we've been calling it Xbox's flagship franchise, and how the fuck this has been able to happen to Halo? Mm -hmm. And how that like they just like Xbox just has to take the fucking hits at this point. Like there's nothing they can say, Mm -hmm. and that means that Xbox loses face, right? Like there will be some serious conversations happening at three four three. So. Ugh, it's the kind of drama yeah, yeah.
0: i don't know drub what do you think man Do you think 343 have had their shot or need more time or what, what do you reckon
2: as the world's biggest halo fan <laughs> and by, and by <laughs> biggest halo fan i've only really played and completed halo one so i'm very <laughs> much the person to answer your question of course absolutely. I, I am very qualified um you know, at at the very least, I don't think it's a matter of taking Halo away from 343 that would solve the solution. I think it should be taking Halo to market with other studios. Yes. It should be it should be let's take a hey cuz I mean, look, I'm not the biggest Halo guy obviously, but I'm sure there's some fascinating stories, you know, Golden Boy here at G4 every day is lore dumping on all of us about how awesome Halo is. Yes. And every time he does it, I'm like that would be great to experience if it wasn't the Halo gameplay that I've been getting for the last few decades, right? Yes. Let's change it up. RTSs is a great style, but it's a very niche thing. Like, what? Let's get a different game in the in in a different engine, a different style for Halo. Let's turn it on its head and 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 use the Halo franchise that way to explore different areas or kind of how you continue to Ralph. Maybe give it to the Call of Duty guys. See what they can come up with with Halo, even if it's a, you know acquisition through Microsoft or not. Like. I think that might be what's needed for for Halo. Is not to get rid of three four three, but mm. to challenge other studios to think outside of the play box that is Halo.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. yeah, that's a really good that's a really good angle on it, Jane. What do you think, man?
3: So many thoughts, Gerard. Definitely, uh, uh, I definitely echo Gerard's in that. You know, like like Gerard, you're a Nintendo fan. Look at how Nintendo treat, treats Mario. You know uh so you know we're getting a ubisoft game a ubisoft mario game in a couple months you know that's awesome yeah and and and, and it's it's a wicked game and we get to see ubisoft's rts take on mario and we don't get that in halo you know the only halo game we get is 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 the really broken message that 343 puts out every five to seven years that's it that's the only halo that we ever get you know um, there, there's no like obsidian Halo like like I love a Halo RPG, you know, uh, uh Halo cart, you know, why not, you know, like 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 the the game is all <laughs> about yeah. vehicles, you know, like like I why guess, like why not?
1: There was Halo Wars, I guess, but. There
3: was, was Halo Wars, Wars yeah. and that—that's about it. And you know, they,
0: I know there was also that. Wasn't Spartan Assault was like that kind of isometric shooter? Yeah, one, the mobile one? game. Yeah, the mobile game. was that. Yeah, Fire was Team it mobile Raven? or was it? Please don't forget. Oh, that's right. These little weird spin-offs. <laughs> yeah, surprised there hasn't been like a card battler at this point. So,
3: <laughs> and then for me, in terms of like Fire Three Four Three, you know, I'm not in any position to tell anyone who should get fired or who should not. Um, I I definitely, you know, don't feel qualified for that. I do, here's my hot take. Just unrelease Halo Infinite, for fuck's sake. Just just take it off. Unrelease yeah, it. Yeah, take it back. Take it offline. Take Ooh, it offline. Oh, shit. Because, because, because the live service thing is not working, and the more they keep trying to catch up on the live service thing, the more that they are so behind. And there's so much debt that they have to catch up on. It's like, dude, just just put a pause on the whole thing. Made the made the campaign available offline, which it, 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 which it isn't. You know, because it's got got, got goddamn DRM attached to it, right? And then just keep it offline and release a Halo game, for fuck's sake. Or, at the
2: very least, find a studio who is very well experienced in games as a live service. Mm -hmm. And let
0: them take the reins. Uh, Well, I mean, I think as well, like, let's not forget, everyone says, oh, you know, 343 has no experience in live service. I'm sorry, but, like, they've been managing the Master Chief Collection and Halo 5. Like... These are two games that have online components. Mm -hmm. They have new content drops on the reg in various ways. They're not as ambitiously live service as, you know, your Destinies and your Apex your Fortnite, whatever, but they are very much in that mould. And so it hasn't been this huge leap for 343 to step into the world of Halo Infinite. Uh, Yeah, so I don't, I sort of always bristle when I hear that commentary, like, oh, this is so new to them. It's like, well, sort of, but also sort of not. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... I, I kind of feel like this. it's been kind of a lost decade for Halo. I mean, you really... And as, as brutal as it is, I, I do think that 343 have nailed that gameplay side of it. Full credit to that. I do think this is one of the best feeling shooters on the market mm-hmm. uh, and they crushed that component of it. But mm-hmm. Halo 4... Not a great game. Halo Five, as I as we all know, was really really bad. Master Chief Connection Collection, uh, terrible at launch. I wasn't a fan of Infinite's campaign, in particular its narrative and and where it chose to took uh, to take things. Sure. But also the open world, I think, was just really very very basic. Like it's it's just a big sort of like tabula rasa, and you can roll around it on your warthog, and sure. that's kind of it, you know. So I I, I really think that another studio would provide a huge injection of creativity, vision, a new pivot for where this franchise could go. I would like to see a different studio take the lead on Halo. I think there would be a space within that for 343 to help with that live service delivery, you know, to help maintain the game and whatever else. But also I'd like to see them try another IP at this point because they – they just have never hit a home run with with Halo. And, and it's like I look at Guerrilla Games and and the home run they were able to hit with Horizon mm-hmm. when they were set free, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe Summer 343 supports another studio while they take Halo forward and maybe the rest of 343 starts working on its own thing, give them the chance to make something that they're truly passionate about and that they love. And and maybe that is the, the shot in the arm they need. But... Uh, Halo is essentially as the, the Lucy's question at the very start of this I think was the most emblematic of all mm-hmm. of it. Can you really still call it the flagship? The fact that you have to ask that at all about mm-hmm. Halo is just, it shows where this is at right now. So I think some some big changes need a big time.
2: Well I, I do want to just comment real quick Ralph because I, I don't want to dismiss what you said about how 343 doesn't, or how, what I said and Gene claimed about how 343 doesn't have experience with live service. I guess that's that's not so much what I meant in terms of what I was insinuating. I think in my mind, taking something like League of Legends or Apex or Mm -hmm. uh, uh, flipping Rumbleverse or or Fortnite, right? Like, those are games that are, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're free at their base level and they are all about the monetization model to continue to fuel the economy of the game. That, to Mm -hmm. me, means that your overall methodology of how you approach it is going to be different mm-hmm. versus with master chief collection um i don't remember do you you just pay for it once and you get everything or do you buy it yeah. in packs um oh, no. game pass uh, it was
0: originally sold in components wasn't it i, I remember and it was sold in components something like, like that. it was all on yeah. one yeah. disc
3: yeah. and then like odst and reach uh, were added later on so That's like, right. you, That's you right. get those uh, you have to download those separately basically
2: so. right so so inherently, the approach for doing something like that, and Halo Five to an extent too, right? Uh, I feel like your design, the design philosophies, have to be treated a little bit differently because you're trying to figure out how to to get people to spend money on the skins and the guns and the skinned mm-hmm. guns and the mm-hmm. and the the cat ears and I don't know. I I didn't really get to the monetization <laughs> model of Halo all that much, um, but yeah, I, it feels like if you the, and the, this is where the problem stems, right? With with everyone with three four three and what they're doing, is that if they're not creating enough of a content ingestion in a free product, mm-hmm. then what is the reason as to as to why people would keep playing? Whether it's sure. gameplay modes, empty promises, or even skins, right? It feels like when Overwatch first came out. All of us were celebrating all the time because they were just new skins, new modes, mm-hmm. holiday season. We, uh, oh, someone right. could be Santa Claus. That's so funny. Like, how, how does Halo do that? How does Halo, like, you know, can you play as Ariana Grande in Halo? No, mm-hmm. but like, what? That's a new content thing. That's Why new, not, damn it? God. Yeah. Well, hashtag wrote, we're all, <laughs> we're all, put. We're all content
3: creators, you know? <laughs> and like to, to a much smaller scale but then when you create content like ralph when you do your youtube videos like like you have a content calendar you know what's going to come up next right like yeah, like we yeah. plan to talk about this now it's just weird that they don't have a plan to like like like, like have more right. content you know like it's not like yeah, fortnite just pulled yeah. goku out of out of out of their ass like like that week you know like they were planning <laughs> yeah. a, months ahead to get goku you know And it's like, there's no plan, there there doesn't seem to be a plan like that at 343 at all. they just be like, okay, well now we're done with the season, okay, let's work on the next map. It's like, why why, are you just doing that now, you know?
1: Like, Overwatch 2, when they were talking about their live service model, they were like, seasons are going to be, it's between 8 to 16 weeks, I forget which one it is, but it's like... Here's how long the seasons will be. There'll be a new hero every X amount of seasons. There will be a new map here. There will be, you know, and then uh, single player stuff is going to be in the next one. And it's like, okay, shit. Like, I I remember hearing that and I was like, okay, I feel more at ease knowing that you have a plan. Halo Infinite, it felt like we were all just so excited to see another Halo and for it to be good Mm -hmm. that everyone kind of didn't necessarily think about the infinite part of
2: it. Yeah. Well, me if I'm wrong, but wasn't a big selling point or rather like a, a, a tarnishment about uh, Halo Infinite on launch? Was it the, the campaign wasn't in the game? Or am I making that up? Didn't they have to like delay release the campaign a couple uh, of they weeks? They released or? the
3: multiplayer first. Uh, yep. And, oh, and yeah. that w- it was that shot of confidence releasing multiplayer earlier than the campaign was supposed to that gave a lot of people including myself like a lot of hope. Where it's like, okay, well, it sounds like they got they got things right. It sounds like it sounds like they're
0: gonna get it, and yeah. mm. we're st- we're all still waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's it. to 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 have removed, yeah, to have released that multiplayer early really says, hey, we've got uh, we've got everything really under control on the yeah. multiplayer side, mm. and it's like cool. And they certainly it felt like they did, but we just had no idea how much they in fact did not have it under control when it comes to supporting this game in the longer term but also it must be said the missing features on the multiplayer side and core playlists and and those progression the store the whole free to play discussion is is another thing which we won't even touch now Mm -hmm. but uh, the the theater
3: the theater doesn't even work the custom games browsers doesn't work I mean there are actual features in the game that just don't work period you know so there are tabs in there that are pointless and they're taking up entire like UI space for no reason because they just don't work and they're going to work I in March.
0: I apologize. <laughs> my, I missed I missed Gene's rant then because my headset is just turned off all of a sudden. So <laughs> but it looked very impassioned. I could oh, see it was him no. really talking. You know what <laughs> I mean? Was right. It was so. great. It was great. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> He's
3: right. There, 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 I was okay. just saying, Ralph, that that theater mode doesn't work. Custom games browser doesn't right. work. So there are entire tabs yeah, yeah, yeah. All in, all the game, in the game, in the game's UI, that just doesn't work at all. Like There are features yeah. in the game that are, that are missing that are supposed to be in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a bummer.
2: And I I think that to kind of send this this conversation to an end I think knowing that you know the pink the only peak concurrent viewers on the Steam according the Steam charts is 5,000k concurrence versus launch of 250k mm-hmm. on a yep. live service. Mm-hmm. They just kind of
0: yeah. kind of out. I mean, look out. and and Apex right now is averaging about 450,000. Destiny is about 150,000. Uh, I mean, that's you know, crazy. Halo is not. Halo, I mean, Splitgate is averaging about 1,500 right now. So Splitgate is about a third as popular as Halo.
1: Infinite. Didn't they just say that they were stopping Splitgate? <laughs> yeah, they're as stopping well? development yeah, of
0: Splitgate as well. Yeah, Game That's going down. And obviously, we can't ignore the Xbox uh, audience. We can't ignore the Game Pass that's audience. True. Of course. It's true. Absolutely. Of course. Sure. Those those warp the numbers. Mm-hmm. But the Steam numbers are going to be roughly indicative of overall popularity mm-hmm. because Apex is also available on Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's free to play there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's still got, you know, and it's, and it's that's also available on the Origin launcher. And it was well before it was available on Steam. Yeah. So those arguments, you know, you pick them apart. And um it just is a real bummer. Hopefully Xbox can can make some big plays here and um, get Halo back to where it needs to be because I love Halo. I think it's got, it's sad to say, but it has un, untapped potential at this point, uh, which is not something you'd ever want to say about a Halo title. But anyway, yeah, hey, I, listen, I, we should probably wrap that. Sorry, Jane. I'll be moving my
3: my shooter uh, uh, engagement to Splatoon, <laughs> Splatoon 3, you know? Right. It's going to have the same amount yeah. of maps as Halo Infinite which is going to have like all these customizations with no microtransaction transactions at launch you know and it will have sure. a full single player campaign Nice. And with that
2: note, Gene single-handedly made us talk about Nintendo for a little there bit you go. today. go. So there we oh go. Oh, God. What the <laughs> hell? There we go. We did it. We showed well, it out, baby. <laughs> would happily
0: have talked about it if Nintendo would send us the game so we could review it. That'd be nice. That and would be you, sweet. But that they, don't, get so they, it they don't send it out get it either, to so. YouTubers. <laughs> you didn't get it
3: either? Well, I, The <sighs> Washington Post got it. I, I just didn't get it. So.
0: Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, with that, we should probably segue into another conversation now. Free of live service and... The like is uh, indie label Devolver Digital. They're not really about all that stuff. They're just about making cool ass or publishing cool ass games for like twenty bucks a pop that uh, are always surprisingly good. And we have one of the co-founders here today. His name's Graham Struthers. Um, when I say today here today, he's kind of not here. He's actually in Long Beach, California. He's this was funny. We re- pre-recorded he's in my this. city. And he's like sitting there smoking a cigarette on the beach. He's like having a beer a while dog. he's talking to us. It was great. He's to get the dog running around. I mean, that's the way to do an interview for a podcast. He's he's really crushing it. So uh, we're going to cut over to that now. This is uh, Graham Struthers, co founder of Devolver Digital. All right, here we go. Very excited about this one. We are joined today by Graham Struthers of Devolver Digital, one of the founders, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or within that founding era startup phase. We'll clarify that, I guess um graham is joining us from california right now you look very relaxed can i say in that locale and you're like very chilled out
4: well if you can't be chilled out here i guess <laughs> where, where could you be so yeah <laughs>
0: uh well we really uh, appreciate you joining um obviously graham was there at the very beginning of devolver and it's an interesting story because devolver right now is easily the number one indie label on the planet, and it's just consistently banging out bangers. I don't think that's how you should say it, but it's a thing. The strike <laughs> rate for this uh, publisher is pretty crazy, I think. it's There's a pretty remarkable ability to pick winners. I don't know of any publisher that has the same success rate that Devolver has displayed over the last little while. So really interested to hear about where that all began, that, that journey, some of the major beats, like your Hotline Miamis and your, and your Fall Guys and what that was like and um, also just kind of get your view on the indie scene because um, obviously it's rapidly changing and, and and you're at the center of all that. So, uh, for the benefit of those that don't quite know you very well, would you mind sort of introducing yourself and your history with Devolver, etc., the top-line stuff?
4: So, uh, well, thanks for all of that. Um, so, um joined the i started out in video games as a retail buyer buying video games for a big store chain in the uk and in those days it was very much mega drive or the genesis for those from america um super nintendo and game boy were the three formats that kind of dominated life in those days i did that for two years and then and, and that allowed me to meet pretty much everybody in the in the video games industry in the uk and knew that i wanted to get on the other side onto the publishing side so managed to get a job at virgin interactive uh, where i was there for four years um, and that was you know the formative part of my time because we virgin as it was in those days a lot of companies didn't have their own publishing set up in europe so we represented people at capcom Lucas arts was another big part of our life as well as the, the content that Virgin itself was producing. And so in those four years it was it was pretty varied, but I got to work in the UK and then took a role at virgin where I was sort of managing all the international businesses. so that was a quick, rapid uh, kind of like learning curve working in France, Germany, the Nordics, and then later on into Eastern Europe and Russia. so yeah, that was virgin then ultimately worked for a part of virgin which was westwood studios you know them from command and conquer sure they got they got bought out by electronic arts virgin the, the owners of virgin decided to exit the games industry so it was a bit of a fire sale and i ended up at electronic arts um for around about a year that was just to finish tiberian sun once that was done um i moved on and Had a couple of other roles in smaller companies then ended up at Take Two, which had acquired Gathering of Developers. And that's where I met um, Harry Miller and Mike Wilson, who were the founders um, of of Gathering. And that idea that they'd had from from the point of view of developers joining together to do their own publishing didn't quite work. But the idea was, was one that they wanted to revisit. And so that led us... Uh, after a few hop skips and a jump to setting up devolver um i think that was 2008 uh when we started devolver so that's your kind of like you know short history or condensed sure. version of a long history i should say and uh yeah that that's where we and and that's you know the 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 thing that intrigued me about harry particularly was he had this really strong view that developers were always being screwed somewhere in the process they were being screwed and the only way to, to, to not be screwed was to do everything yourself. Um, and that happened to coincide with the emergence of Skim, which also was transformative because um, it, it, it allowed small companies to have a chance. Mm. Um, mm. So that was that's how we got to Devolver or how I got to Devolver.
0: Yeah. So then when you say that uh, gathering – because I remember gathering developers and and as I understand you, you sort of talked about the idea that it was founded to make sure that developers got a better deal. But you said it didn't really work. What, why didn't it work? Like, what was the major hurdle there?
4: I mean, it's, it's several things. One, if you make video games for a living, you pretty much realize quite quickly that any game that you work on or any game that you sign will, will generally end up costing more than anyone thought. And that's not because of anything, um, any kind of negligence. It's just that games are quite complex things to pull off. So Gathering had raised enough money um, to to get itself up and running, but in those days, the additional cost you always faced was physical goods. You know, to 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 then go and manufacture your 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 games, and it was something of a, I suppose I don't want to say it, well, it was a bit of a cartel. You had to go through distribution companies to get to retail. So you, you so if you imagine that you're you're fronting all the money, distribution takes a chunk, retail takes a chunk. And the paying, the way that you were paid in those days was that you were, you were pretty much waiting around about four months for any kind of money to come back across the table. So cash flow was horrible. Uh, the margins that you could ever get anyway, even when you were successful, were pretty low. So it didn't take a great deal to knock you off balance. So gains running later than you'd anticipated. It just ended up, kind of breaking us or breaking the original gathering. The Take Two and when, when they took over, or the acquired gathering, um, like a lot of big companies, when that happened, the initial enthusiasm soon petered out. You know, so you know when I got involved, it was still a retail-based business, and the sales folks who were working across the world were only really interested in Grand Theft Auto, and. Because I and mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's not 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 mm. that's not firing any shots at folks. It's just if, if you're going into retail to sell something called Grand Theft Auto Three, you've got a lot of excited people. If you're if you're trying to sell, I don't mafia as it was then or hidden and dangerous, it's not such a easy job, and people tend mm-hmm. to do the easy bit. Um, sure. So that 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 was, but but the, the premise of gathering was how do you get to a situation where the developer makes the majority of the money in the transaction? How do you get to that point? And also the other thing which Harry was, was you know, very, very passionate about was developers keeping ownership of IP. Mm-hmm. Because again, if you go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, if, when you signed your game to a publisher, they took ownership of IP. And if they didn't do that, they generally nailed you into SQL rights, which is effectively the same thing. So it was a very unfair relationship, um, but when you're a developer, you always need funding. So, so you kind of so the transformative part of Steam was that first you had this business where you didn't need all these sales folks, you didn't need all this other stuff. You just needed to have you just needed to focus on making your game, and also the seventy thirty split. I mean, I think today people don't really realize how transformative that was. I think people got used to that. But if you go back to the early 2000s, you'd be lucky if you were a developer to make around about 18 to
5: 20%.
4: Really? So, yeah. Wow. And, and obviously, that, the, the, the super-successful developers would have had better deals, but by and large, that's where you were. Also, again, back to what I said earlier about cash flow. I mean, when Steam, it was 70-30, but you got paid... Every month. Well, mm. I mean, this was unheard of. You know, that 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 business model transformed things because again, you know, it's the boring part of the industry of running a business, but cash flow is is pivotal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that enabled the, the, the I think that was when the gathering of developers idea finally found a business model that could sustain it. Um by that point it was called Devolver.
0: Right. Okay. So those same values and aspirations were carried over wholesale into Devolver at its founding?
4: Yeah. So our idea was, and I've you know, got to give all the credit to Harry because he's he's the one that had that central plank, if you will, was that the developer should make the most money So, um, and they should retain ownership of IP and they shouldn't be tied into SQLs. Um, mm. So we still have that you know that that's there's no reason to change it because it's really successful and i was explaining it earlier today that when we were going through jumping to the the kind of like the company going public it was it could be perceived as a risk that you don't have those rights like what's to stop someone else coming in and taking on taking over uh you know our answer to that was well you know we're, we're now in year 12 and, and the developers we work with today are, are ones we've been working with for many, many years in most cases. And our perception of ourselves was if we do our job really well um, and they see that we do our job really well and they're super happy with how we do things, we continue forwards. Uh, mm. If we if we screw up, then it's a different story, right?
0: Sure, of course. Yeah, right. So those uh, early years were quite focused on Serious Sam from memory. That was like the bedrock mm. foundation of Devolver. Is that mm-hmm. <laughs> where? How did that all happen? And then, like, how did that lead to? How did that get the company through that opening window?
4: So, Crow team go way way back with with Harry. They they they, they were one of the first teams that Gathering of Developers actually signed. Um, and that relationship had sustained. Um, you know, it, there was a certain period where. Gathering had folded, and, and um, team were within the Take Two world. But the key thing was the under IP.
5: Mm.
4: So when when Take Two you know moved in a different direction, Team were free and clear to, to move on as well. As I say, we kept in touch, and um, you know they they deserve all the credit for trusting us because you know at the, at the time we started up. It was Nigel and myself with laptops, um, and and nothing else really. But the, the trust they had in Harry um, was was there, and um, that, that yeah, it was thanks to them giving us the the opportunity that we that gave us the initial kind of um, impetus and then momentum. Um, and again, Cystan was a relatively well known and trusted mm-hmm. IP. Um, so yeah, that that's that that. I think that's, in a way, that's the payback that Harry earned us through his original business idea. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's where we started out.
0: Sure. And as I understand, it was kind of like it went pretty well for a while, but then all of a sudden Hotline Miami came along and kind of put things into another gear. Is that, is that, is that correct to say that?
4: It's, it, I, I guess externally, I'm sure that, that makes a lot of sense. The thing with, with Serious Sam was that, that Serious Sam 3 was the game that the crew team were working on, but that was always going to take, from the point we started with, with them, that was going to take two to three years. They, they got back the rights to the original uh, first and second encounter, um, did HD versions, and that was the first games that we put up on Steam. But as Sam you know, took longer than anticipated, um, Nigel, um, one of the other co-founders, he had this idea of what if we went to some of these new indie developers that we're seeing uh, and and offered them, basically said, would any of you like to make a series Sam game? Um, And um, I mean, that's a sidebar that would take us hours to go through all of that. But Vlambeer were one of the teams that that said yes. and, And they thought they were, I suppose they thought they were they didn't they didn't take us very seriously so they sent through a game idea for a Serious Sam which is Sam IP which we which they thought we would think was ridiculous and therefore we would naturally say well that's ridiculous but Nigel's like that's awesome so which, <laughs> and, and
0: which game was that which which what did they send through what was it
4: well basically <laughs> they I mean if you know Sam you know Sam's first person Twitter. Sure. a um and obviously none of these devs were ever gonna be making in a first person. It's just so first of all, each for each dev it was a disconnect. Why would you want us to even work on mm. this IP? Um and I mean they just they they just sent to a very Vlambeer kind of like set of ideas, which they just assumed that we would reject. Um I mean the ideas weren't crazy, it was just they just assumed that we would say no. <laughs> yeah. And they were they were they were surprised when we when we said yes um in fact years later rami was like well, we felt that you were you just calling our bluff <laughs> kind of thing and we were like, no no we genuinely thought it was a good idea and we'd already we already knew them through through ridiculous fishing we mm. we were we'd seen that game blow up um and that led us to working with lambier but during that time um you know jw and, and rami said oh we we've, we've got some friends up in Gothenburg, you've got an idea for a game that they're, they're thinking maybe they should talk to a publisher. Would you be interested? And that was at that time it was called cocaine cowboys. <laughs> and by complete, that's sick. Should have been
0: sick. called that. God damn it. Why <laughs> did
4: you drop that? Well, we didn't, ha, ha. We, uh, actually that, that's, just, that's another sort of sidebar because initially cocaine cowboys and, <laughs> um, Rick, Mike, and I thought that name was awesome. Nigel and myself thought the game was really amazing. Uh, and when they when they wanted to change it to Hotline Miami, I remember Rick in in, in particular being like, "Oh, well, that's bullshit." <laughs> um, um, but I think the reason they had to change it there was there was a movie, a documentary, yeah. come out. I, I, was just saying, I, that just, was,
0: I just googled that then. I'm like, it's a yeah. document." Oh, okay, right. Yeah. That makes
4: sense. So, so, so that was that. But it was actually it was, and it turned out, and I, and I didn't know that at the time, was that Cat Jonathan Son- Sonesson, who's one of the, the two guys who made Hotline, he was doing at that time a lot of uh, games. Under under his uh, oh, sorry, dogs getting crazy here. He all was right. doing a lot of games under his name, girl, uh practice, and Nigel had been playing a lot of his stuff. It was all freeware. Mm. So when when we got the introduction. Um, It was very natural you know that that kind of like step from working with lambier to meeting uh, dennerton um and yeah i mean i I remember nigel sending me the build um and I, i should i should preface this by saying i'm terrible at twitchy games um but it was one of those things where you know at that time i was doing contract work um because again, Devolver, we didn't have any money, so we were. Nigel was working in an ad agency in Dallas. I was doing contract work in London, and I was just sitting on a really crappy laptop and got this build and headphones on. And as soon as you, I mean, it's one of those moments. As soon as you start mm-hmm. playing, even though it was visually it was very different from how it ended up, they had some of the they already had some of the music in there, um, and it, you know, my hot take was it was like a rhythm action game. You know the the music was just so pivotal to to mm, how it mm, felt. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we, we we went ahead with it. Um, and not to say that the rest is history, but it was you kind of know when you've got something that is special. Sure. Mm. Um, and then I think over the over the course of the next seven or eight months, we took it to a show in London. Say so it was in Brighton called Mm-hmm. And I remember Tom Bramley, who at that time was the editor of Eurogamer. We couldn't get, we, had, we were like, we want to go to the pub. It's seven o'clock in the evening. Can you just let us go? We can't, you know, he was he was bringing people over to play the game. And then we later on, you know, uh, I think Nigel took it to, I think he took it to a and so had a very similar kind of, you know, reaction. Mm-hmm. So by the time the game was heading to launch, there was already a huge amount of buzz around it um so yeah you know that's um, it
1: yeah i remember i can't remember if it was i can't remember what show i was at if it was an e3 or a Eurogamer expo but like it was it was the t- it was the game that everyone was like oh my god have you played hotline miami and it was only on i think maybe one or two demo booths that, that, and i remember that, that, like hunting yeah. it down at the end of the show and i was like oh <laughs> shit i fucked up by not playing this sooner
4: yeah, there was two games I remember because at the time we had hotline and, and Mike Bissell was out there with Thomas was mm-hmm. alone. Sure, I mean there was there was other games, but at one event Mike's was adjacent to us and and it, it both games were getting this incredibly strong reaction. Um, and and again, there was a side a, a thing that yeah. you know, I was thinking about this recently was. This was also the same, exact same period where Sony were struggling with the end of PlayStation 3. There was a sense that Sony had lost their way. Um, Microsoft had yet to bring the 360 out, and there was this almost like a pause. Sorry, mm. the, so they, Microsoft were heading towards um, their new, was that Gen, gen 7 or Gen Xbox One. Lost. Xbox One. Mm. And there was mm-hmm. a bit of a hiatus. You know, all the mm-hmm. big AAA publishers were noodling on which direction they would go in, and it felt like there was this almost like a year where the indie games got so much oxygen from media um, yeah. because there wasn't that much else. No. And I, I guess
1: around then there would have been like Summer of Arcade on Xbox as well. I remember being huge, That's like kind right. of around that sort of time. And yep.
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Was that like the first, I'm trying to remember, was that the first really big indie game? Like, Was that the first one? everyone talked braid. about a lot of people think uh, to braid as
4: the braid. one Braid, Braid, braid yeah, yeah. Braid and,
2: and super meat boy were kind of the two yeah true true, lim-
4: true.
1: limbo as well limbo is
4: oh, there, limbo. There too. certainly Braid had been out um for a while um super meat boy as well um i just remember it from the i guess that from my memories are really based on being at events um, and 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 again, it was you know these small events, um, and then later on at PAX Indie Mega Booth, mm-hmm. where you'd be surrounded by small companies or small you know standalone devs, and there's just always something. That would, it was almost like you could, you could you could watch the crowd morphing around games. Um, mm-hmm. It's a real energy, um, and you know I think most of us would would also say at that time. You, know, you, you were just excited for anyone being successful because w- each game that came out and was successful would validate the space. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. So then I obviously that... One of the first
3: that was like uh, coming from two-man team or something like that, though. Like that was, I think that, that, that part of it was pretty unique.
5: Mm.
0: Also, yeah. the
3: soundtrack was amazing. <laughs> so.
0: yeah. Soundtrack to this day... I mean, still, I don't yeah. think, I can't, to this day, unparalleled, really. Like, There's mm-hmm. just nothing that's been quite like that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, that was a, a big sort of like shot in the arm in terms of validating that strategy, going the indie label path. And it kind of, it looks like that you sort of leveraged that for the next few years because after that, you had like... Hatch of a Boyfriend and Enter the Gungeon and Talus Principle, Shadow Warrior, My Friend Pedro. I mean, I'm sort of condensing six years here into like a few bullet points. But I think that at that point, Devolver started to establish itself as um, a-, a label that really knew how to pick winners. Uh, it really knew what the secret source was that you know made a game great and was able to back those products. Do you think what what, what what how how did what is the what is how does that work for you guys? Like, what is that process where you're able to look at a game and be like, "Hey, this is it, man. We're gonna we're gonna put some dollars behind this." How does that actually work mechanically?
4: So, you know, if you go back to that period, you know, around Hotline, and then what comes next was, um, like I was just saying earlier, there was a real enthusiasm and energy around the the indie scene, and we were we were fortunate that. we we were there at that juncture but what we what we then found was that these developers we were working with would validate another developer and say guys you need to check out this team um so a lot of the things that came after the after that was a combination of either the developers introducing others and nigel i mean nigel is I, i still to this day don't know how he finds the time um to To continually look at what's happening, follow threads that lead to developers, um, and um, I think sometimes you, you can overthink these things. But I think a lot of the games that we've released in that period would have been games that would have sat really well on Super Nintendo. They had the same kind of simple gameplay mechanics. And Andrew, who's, who who was the first person that joined Evolver from after the founders. Andrew would always talk about you can, you can just feel it. You can just pick up whether it's keyboard or mouse or the controller and you just know there's a core gameplay loop that you can imagine will, will serve that game well, will keep you engaged. So, I, I, I mean, Nigel deserves a huge amount of credit um, for, for, for that direction. Um, and, you know, I think 14 years of Nigel was, was a Nintendo, you know, addict and I think I think that you can if you think of it from that perspective, you can see that thread through a lot of the games that we have we've been involved in. And Very as I say, the other thing about the Devolver as it's grown is the enthusiasm for games is just you know it's it's just incredible. It's, 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 it's generationally This we've got a group of people at Devolver, this is their life, you know. It's sure.
0: So. Yeah right. So is is Nigel sort of like the, the the main game scout that is out there just like or, well, we or was he I mean, then and it's different now like how that that process.
4: Yeah, I guess we would, I would probably say that we don't we would never think of it from the point of view of like scouting in that sense. Um those developers that we, we met around 2012, 13, 14 like Free Lives have just been prodigious and producing you know, the most diverse portfolio of games, um, They, when we started working with Broforce, that led to genital jousting, led to cricket mm-hmm. through the ages, led to Gorn, um, Angerfoot is in the future, Terra Nill. I mean, working with them is, we, you know, I, I think we can honestly say we never know what's coming next. Mm, sure. Um, but I think that period is when, you know, teams we were, as I said, were introduced to us through people like Dennison and and beer um, and then of course going to these events you can walk around the Indie Mega booths and, and meet these teams in person um, and I think in that sense we're not very different from being a journalist you, you're you interested in what's going on you're actually like hearing about something and being able to go and talk to that developer in person and, and get a sense of what they're trying to do mm. I think that period of those four years, that's how our business probably got catapulted uh, mm. forwards. Um, sure. But the, I don't think we've, we've never set out to go find games. That probably sounds a little bit strange, but we've never been, oh, we've got to go and find three games for 2022 or 2023. It's It's been very organic, mm. which is a nightmare from a business perspective.
0: <laughs> you know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, um, and, I mean, as the company, as you, that success came through, did the company sort of change internally? Like, you know, because you're still pretty lean. I think uh, you're only 20 people right now, right?
4: Oh, God, you're well out of date. Oh, right. Okay.
0: How many, how, how many are you now?
4: So, I think the, the actual Devolver piece, I think, is now 50 people.
0: Okay, right. That's still really small, um, though.
4: Um. Well, you know, I'm still struggling with all the names. That's a change. Um, <laughs> um you know we you know pre you know pre fall guys i think we were around about 20 people mm-hmm. but when fall guys hit us we we had to we we literally had to fast you know higher because you know we had not been prepared for that to blow up mm-hmm. the way it did um so that meant we had to you know bring in you know more producers uh add some support around marketing um And that I think that took us up to probably around about 30 people, which I was terrified of. I think we all were. Um, And yeah, so... But yeah, we're now, I think, 50 people in the the Devolver um, company.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. And and it was around this time that uh, you started doing the E3 showcases. That was... uh... How did how did they get their start? And and I think Nina, Nina, Nina Struthers, right? I think that's that's her surname.
4: Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Any questions? So there? you know we, we had, and again, I, you'll hear the name Nigel recurring. Uh, you know, as as Steam had been transformative in the, in the sense of like you know changing how we could sell our games, things like Twitch were also mm-hmm. huge a huge sea change and you know going back to the early days of twitch and you know obviously youtube as well you know we were i think we were, maybe maybe we weren't the first but we did say look you can monetize our games we we, we you know, it sounds bizarre now because at a certain point people who were trying to stream games were having takedowns this shit all the time
5: mm.
4: and we were always saying please stream our games please go and play our games and so the relationship with twitch at that point you know i think was very solid for us because we were proactive uh, with that and um nigel had this idea to do this fake press conference and i rem- i remember him telling me about it and I, I was like i have no fucking clue what you're talking about <laughs> um, uh... um and at the time I, I do remember him saying oh I'm going to name all the presenters after our kids <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, wait so, they're named, okay that's awesome that's great so
4: so, so all the presenters were named after our kids and I think when they did the first the very first one Nigel's perspective was that there's a very good chance no one's going to watch this It's a very good chance this is just going to be like a, an empty room Um, so there was no plans I don't think he at that point had any idea this would be would take off, um, and I remember that 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 um, when it, I mean I I saw the first E3 press conference the same way everyone else did. I didn't see it before it went live, mm. um, and I was like, I yeah, I loved it, but I was like, I, I had no clue that was what it was going to be. Um, and of course, the the actress who plays Nina, Marina Zuk just just was astonishing and like I don't know 24 hours after that thing went live my daughter Nina Struthers, was just like well that's my social media profile busted <laughs> <laughs> and she also had she had a few uh, you know of the nastier parts of the internet reaching out to her sure
5: that's oh.
4: yes yes, yes. Lucy just made the appropriate noise there yeah uh, it's, it's, it's
1: yeah. the only noise you've really got <laughs> <sighs> yeah
4: yeah, yeah. Something yep. That blew up, um, and that 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 then I think effectively gave Nigel a blank check to continue um, on sure. that path. And again, to this day, I, I the first time I didn't see it because I wasn't really paying attention until it came out. Since then, I have followed the same. I don't watch them until they go live. Yeah. So
5: yeah,
4: and you know, there was because the, pre-COVID we were at E3 and that they um invited all well they invited lots of people to come and watch it with us and i ended up sitting next to two people from nintendo h- h- who we deal with and they're, they're they're lovely but that's when we really sort of took the, my my uncle from nintendo and the nintendo directing and used it <laughs> and i could feel it i could feel it like it was like and i was going like
0: Nintendo, as a company, oh. seemed like then they wouldn't really take a joke well. They just get that vibe where you could just you could
1: just tell the notebook is coming out.
4: <laughs> That's right. I mean, mm-hmm. The <laughs> folks we deal with are, are are just exactly the same as us. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're they're great, but I, you know, at the time, I kind of would have preferred not to be sitting next to them. No,
5: sure,
0: no, sure, sure, sure. Uh, um, yeah,
4: but yeah. I love them. Um, I have no clue what he's going to do next. Um,
0: and you guys also would would attend E3, but you would do it across the street in a car park with the with the e ball balloon. Was uh, the best place to be, E3. That was always the coolest place to be. It always had the best food, nice vibes. It was oh, always yeah. a bit hot, but it was it was a, it was uh, a great also, little setup. I think
4: people skip past this part. Air conditioned in clean toilets. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yes. 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 Really oh,
4: good
1: food. Really good food. You,
0: what are you uh how, how are you feeling about e3 not being or potentially coming back and and what physical events and how, how what's your vibe on on e3 next year
4: honestly I I, I hope I genuinely hope it, it's coming back I hope it's going to be great we're we, we plan to be there we plan to be back in our car park um and again like a you know before we came on air events have been critical to us you know this is where we've been able to Live off the industry bringing people together, mm-hmm. um, whether that's uh, developers, the first parties. But specifically, I think you know it's allowed us to meet the media in all of its forms. Um, and when you when you are a small company, those those events are really really important. And um, and E three has always been like a prior to COVID was was a big part of our year. Um, so we want to get back to that. Um, and it, But, you know, the challenge that, that, that any event faces is being relevant to media as well as, as as exhibitors. I mean, the bigger companies seem set on their own path, doing their own things, um, which is understandable, because they can attract all that attention, doing mm-hmm. things themselves. But I think it's important that these events... Uh, are sustained, and that's why, like, you know, mentioned again, PAX Australia, you know, it can be seen as a small event, um, and therefore you can question it, you could say, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very expensive place to get to, and all that kind of stuff, but for Devolver, PAX Australia's led us to three or four games, that have been hugely successful, coming from Australian devs, we would never have met them without that event, mm, or we, would, we wouldn't have met them in person, without that event, um, so I think, you know, events are are really really important in the general sense for our industry. That I think
0: they're very important. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool.
4: And we both have air oh. conditioned toilets and good beautiful. I promise. Okay. We'll,
0: you know, we'll we'll, we'll be there then. That's it. That's
2: really it. appreciate it. Probably, probably <laughs> the, hi- the highlight of the show is that for sure every year.
0: Um, I think uh, obviously, Hotline Miami was a real sort of like boost and a real milestone for the thing. But the next really gigantic one was surely Fall Guys. Uh, tell us the story about how that was discovered and how it was brought to market and what the aftermath was like when it went absolutely crazy
4: well uh, we met uh, Mediatonic um, actually it was before Hatful Boyfriend they had, um, had a game called File Play mm. um, and um, they uh, had they'd done a deal for the Xbox version um, but they hadn't got anyone for the, the for, for the game being released on Steam. Um, so that's where we first met. And at, and at that point, MediaTonic, I don't know if if they were thirty person or 20 person company they were they were pretty small. and they're in London. and so you know, there was uh, it, myself and Andrew also being in London, we, we, we met and started hanging out with some of the Mediatonic folks. Um, that led us to a full Boyfriend, uh, led to Nigel setting up a Tinder profile for a pigeon. I remember you know, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, they they were part of our, for, for about a year, maybe a bit longer, we were out on the road with them. Mm. So they were coming to PAX, they were coming to Gamescom, and of course they met the guys from Rule 7, Deniton, Free Lives, and of course, developers always have way more in common with each other than they have with publishers, right? So they, they formed friendships with Dennis and Rasmus and Ruan. And so that I guess it felt like they were, at that point, we, were, we all felt like we were, we were really, really connected. Um, they were growing, you know, their studio, they were doing a lot of work for hire, big, big projects. But they always had uh, part of the studio with Game Jam and, and, and riff on ideas. And because, you know, by that point, you know, we had a social relationship, so I'd be hanging out with Helen and Jeff going for drinks. Mm. And they talked about this this game, and I would always tease them, saying, like, you know, you've got to pitch it to us. You know, we helped you out when you were just, you know, the plucky little <laughs> developer. And that's a, that's called a guilt other. trip,
0: I believe. I think that's, that's yeah. a guilt trip is a technical <laughs> term, I'm right?
1: Valid technique.
4: <laughs> well, have a Well, we would tease each other and and you know when they were doing events and they were you know they're always really busy because when you do work for high, you're always looking for the next gig it's a very pressurized existence and they would come and do timeouts on our booths at e3 or sorry in the parking lot to e3 or, or maybe games call and, and i guess you know it wasn't like anyone ever pitched us or we we pitched them It was more like just it was a conversation that just went on for a number of months um and, you know, I think they, they had every right to be sceptical of Devolver being able to take on such a project in the same way that I could have been sceptical of them ever making such a game. You know, like, that's a big sea change, you, you know. Um, but again, uh, when we did get to see it, um, you know, I think everyone who saw Fall Guys for the first time had a similar reaction. It's 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 got that, I don't know, it just makes you want to know more. Um mm and it makes you smile. So, um, I think, and I I don't want to speak on their behalf, but yet I am. I think they felt, well, if we go with Devolver, we keep our IP. Mm. That worked out really well by the way. (laughs) I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) A little too well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, they'll retain, you know, they won't have anyone meddling with the creative aspect of it. um, so, they, 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 again, there was a lot of trust from them to, 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 to sign with us. Arguably, from our perspective, there was a lot of trust as well because, you know, we hadn't seen them take on such a project. Um, but, yeah, that was, I think, I'm sure they would say the same. It was like it, it, those two years of hanging out with each other, doing events, formed a lot of strong bonds um, and, yeah, worked out.
0: Are you disappointed then to have seen it make the jump over to the Epic Games Store becoming exclusive in that way?
4: Ah, God, it's like so. I mean, if you go into the build up to launch and everything, that, all that energy it was also COVID had hit. Mm. So, you know, we were, the studio had to move from uh, working in offices to working remotely huge credit to, to them for, for, for still being able to, to produce the game. Our our guys who were working on the live op side of it, you know, it was it was really, really intense. And that's before the game was a success. Mm-hmm. Um and and the build up to launch, you know, the momentum was just crazy. And then I think I don't know if any of you guys ski or do anything where you have these moments where you suddenly think I could die. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> there was a there was a definite sense of like oh my god this could wipe us out we might not cope um what's coming um and then then the game went live and it was even worse than we thought as it was more (laughs) successful than we'd ever imagined and um i think not just the the mediatonic crew because for them it was like being hit with a you know whoa and we were all working like seven days a week um and it's 24 hours mm. um so it was almost like a relay team um whether it was marketing or uh live ops or you know scaling in servers it, it, it was it was it was brilliant and awful um at, at the same time <laughs> sure um and, and we we didn't get to celebrate we never got the chance to get together normally, you know, you, you, you at least get that where you all get together, you get that look at each other and go like, holy fuck. And you celebrate. Well, we didn't. We never got that. Media um, Tonic never got that. And I still feel for them as a studio. They never got to all get together and just have that, what have we just done moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, what comes next is that the bigger fish in the industry, um, They 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 see something that they want. And, um, you know, our relationship with Mediatonic, and we mentioned earlier in, 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 the, in, in our call, in our chat, you know, we don't own their IP, that's theirs. Mm. Um, and we had a very open relationship when they were being approached, you know, because we were very clear with people who approached us, we do not own this developer, we don't own this IP. So that led to people talking with them, um, and at some point, you, you've got a studio, you've got a lot of people. They could see in front of them that to run four guys would need them to scale up massively. Um, and I think you know what Epic represented was there's a lot of infrastructure there, there's a lot of knowledge. Uh, it's a safe haven, um, and you know we we stood back. And and as well, you know, rightly so. And they they did their deal with Epic and um it was inevitable then that Epic would want us out of the equation and then that's just down to negotiation. Sure. Sure. So, but in retrospect, I think um it was the best outcome for us and for, for, for Media I don't think Devolver would have been able to we we'd have had to scale up to such a degree. That I think we would have lost the devolver thing in the in in that process, but that's mm-hmm. a retrospective view. At the time sure. it was like, we can do this.
0: <laughs> and is that is that scaling up mainly on the technical side in terms of the live ops, just keeping the game running at the back end, or is that also the marketing and PR? Like, is it what is that exactly that scale up?
4: It's it's all consuming. Um, and it, it takes it takes over there's no two ways about it you can't mm. um, yeah it, it's i mean going back to that time it's it's when, when it when when something becomes seven days a week then you're losing your space for everything else sure. And we've always prided prided ourselves that we always feel that any game we sign has to get all of our attention we can't be in a situation where one thing takes everybody yeah. off um it would be really unfair on those developers if we suddenly you know lost our way and and, and I think at that time Devolver was 18 20 people who did fast hire a few people um but even so it it, it would have it would have I look I mean I, I, I as I say this is retrospective looking back but I think if I was a developer design with Devolver I'd be thinking well they're they're so busy with Fall Guys are they really um, going to be able to give me the time and attention that um, sure. I hope for. So um, I'm glad it happened. It was it was awesome. It was great to be involved in the launch. It was it was crazy. It was mental, um, you know. And, and it was a bit like I don't know, like like a kind of a disaster movie um, with a good yeah. ending. But there was there was things that happened along the way where you know, like we have to we have to shut the game down because people have hacked it, and they're right. starting to put things into the game which are politically uh you know difficult to 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 deal with, so we have to close it down and fix that and and that's at three in the morning or my three in the morning it might have been i don't know eight it it, it was just all that kind of stuff was happening mm. and it was. <laughs> And
0: was, was was there anyone on the team that predicted that level of success? Was there someone sitting at the back kind of just going like, trust me, this is going to be big? Or was it that much of a surprise to everyone?
4: Uh, well, three so or four months before launch, we, you have to do this stuff where you, you, you're you looking at the cost of server infrastructure, running the game, customer service, having all those agents available, And so you scale it to the point of like, well, what if we launch this game and, it doesn't really do very well, but we still have to provide all the services. What's the point where the the, the blue turns to red? Um, then we had another forecast which was we launched this game and it, it does okay. It does okay in the sense that we're scaling, running all those services and the blue stays blue, but it's it's close to red. Mm. And then we had another forecast, which was called Graham's Ridiculous forecast, <laughs> um, where it was, you know, it launches and it takes off. And, and one of the guys, the guy that was running all the back end for us, his, his name's John Barque. he's our CTO. Um, and it was John and myself who were working together on these forecasts because John had to provide all the back end costs and all the things at scale. And, you know, when we would look at this forecast every day and update it, this is pre-launch. And and you come back to looking at the forecast that, that, that's the one that says you know, it's gonna fail, you know. And, and John was confident that the game would be strong enough. John was confident that we would be able to launch this game well. Uh, he was also super confident that that what Nigel had in line for all the marketing would would help find an audience. But I was the one who kept on going, Yeah, but John, what if <laughs> 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 and the day the game launched it went through my most preposterous numbers. And so, I I guess that answers your question, is that, you know, we didn't have a fucking clue.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, right. But we were really
4: confident that we had something we could do Mm. well. Mm.
0: I think
2: something that Fall Guys did super well was just introduce so many IPs to people who didn't know out beyond Fall Guys, right? I think, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Enter the Gungeon fan. Thousands of hours spent playing Enter the Gungeon. But yeah. the minute I saw that I could dress up as the bullet from Enter the Gungeon, I grinded for several hours so I could get that thing. So I think that's something that Fall Guys, from the very beginning, you you guys were on top of, which mm-hmm. was, hey, bringing other IPs to, to kind of the costume yeah. aesthetic.
4: A lot of that credit goes to to Jeff and, and Joe at Mediatonic and you know, they always had that plan and we went out and approached, you know, uh, a lot of other games companies, um, at the time. And it was, I mean, people's view of what an IP is worth varies hugely, but in the indie space, people were just delighted to have the chance to see their character go in.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So you mentioned Gungeon, the hotline for I mean, it, they were all just happy for that to happen. Um, I think now it's a business, you know, like yeah. that's now yeah. you know much more transactional. Oh yeah, um, but you know, uh, and 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 it was great. It was, it was. I mean, that's the thing when you're inside a game prior to launch, and you start to see these characters, the the you know the the, the high res stuff comes through. You're like, this just looks amazing. And who would have thought the bulletin would be the most obvious? Um, and I think I'm right in saying that I mean I, I don't have insight to the numbers these days, but Gato Roboto was also hugely successful in Fall Guys. Um I'm sure most people wouldn't have heard of the game, but they loved the the costume. Mm. So. Sure. So
3: oh, well, who 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 discovered Nier
0: Automata through Fall Guys <laughs>
3: <laughs> they're in for a big uh, they're
0: in for a big genre slash tone exactly. jump with that yeah. one give <laughs> me a wild ride like, oh I love Fall yeah.
3: Guys I should play this game Nier
0: yeah yeah sure yeah. <laughs> what, a, um, what a character <laughs> mommy can you buy it for me <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me that obviously Fall Guys was a huge uh, out of the box success uh, were there any that you passed on the label passed on that went on to be a massive success, and you're like, "Damn, we should have. We really should have got that one." Mm.
4: There's there's a few war stories like that, but in 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 in, in most cases, um, it's it, it was at the time that the game was pitched to us, we didn't have the financial means, we didn't have the capability to take them on, um, and. We've always been very discreet about that because we never want another publisher to think, oh, we were second choice or, mm-hmm. oh, Devolver sure, just sure. said no to it. Um, but there's been a few that we've uh, looked at and agonized over and we just couldn't. And Rick, you know, who, who ran Devolver's finances, would always say to us that he would never leverage um, future success of a game to let us fund a game now. Mm. You know, so so if we didn't have um, the cash and, you know, it, I couldn't say, well, Rick, but this game we're about to launch will do really well. well. then we'll have the cash. He's like, no, we have to know that we it has to be in the bank now.
5: Mm.
4: And he also had this ethic, which was that any game we signed, he would essentially take the entirety of that budget out of our cash flow. So even if, if the other games we launched in the interim didn't succeed, we'd still have that money. So he, he he stopped Nigel, myself, signing stuff. Right. <laughs> For very good reasons. Sure. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's a few that every now and then I look at Steve and I'm like, oh, fuck, you <laughs> should have signed that.
0: Can't give us one? You, can, you can't give us just one? Come on.
4: No, because, I mean, it is, we never want to be those guys that are sure, acting sure. like we knew something.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. fair enough. All um, right, well.
4: Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. But I uh, believe me there's there's been there's been a few there's sure,
0: been a sure. few. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> the um I think the big thing that's happening these days obviously uh is subscription services. They are taking over. You've had uh, Game Pass and you've got your PS Extra now and all sorts of stuff. I'm probably forgetting like eight other services. Uh, what's your overall view of how this is affecting the industry right now? Are you seeing it overall as a net positive and certainly on the indie side? Do you think this is a good deal for the indie space or is it a, a huge red flag?
4: I mean, to, to start with the negative because um, I think it's important to explore that is that the subscription model in the world of film um, and in the world of music is not delivering for artists. Mm. Um, So, you know, music, Spotify, we're all very aware that, you know, the business model there is not working for the creator. I think in film, the all-you-can-eat model is Done significant harm to the independent film development uh, side. Um, so that's that's things that you should be con- we, sh- we should be concerned about. We should think about, um, you know. And I, I feel comfortable saying this, but whenever we speak to first parties, our concern is like your stores naturally are pushing the, the the really successful things to the top. Um, you, you're, you're currently more toward live services games than you are to the small form indie games. Mm-hmm. And um, clearly they would ar- argue, well, this is a commercial reality. This is what people do. The majority of people who play video games are playing those games. So, And I get that in the same way that in the film world, most people are going to go and see a Top Gun movie than see Land, you know. Nomadland, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's always this kind of like push and pull between being part of subscription services and being financially well-rewarded for that, but being concerned about over time, does it create the same ecosystems that we've seen take hold in film and music? I would say our advantage, however, and I think this is where Sony and Microsoft do deserve credit, is they've given commercially reasonable terms, whereas the film and in- music industry do not.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Right? Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've, we've got much more favorable terms compared to if you were a musician or a, a filmmaker. Uh, I also get the impression that Sony and Microsoft, as, as businesses, are still run by game-centric people, mm. and they, they they still get as excited about Call of the Lamb as they do about you know Grand Theft Auto 16. So I think as long as we have you know game-centric people running these services, I think then we're we're in safer hands. Mm. Then, but if it becomes vice president of content who came out of some other industry, mm. then I would be... I think we would be... We would be concerned. Um, I do, however, think that we were, we were, we we're a much younger industry, so we, we shouldn't just do apples for apples with other subscription models. I think, because we're a younger industry, a lot of people who are in it, even in senior positions in big, big companies, they're actually... they have got gaming instincts. Um, and so then you as the game developer or the publisher you have to look at your own business and analyze what it is your 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 short medium and long-term objectives are so for example fall gas station plus absolutely superb mm-hmm. that that gave that game 30 odd million plus audience in in like a month, month and a half, and sure. if I've just disclosed something I shouldn't have, fuck. Great,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, we've got now, a headline now, now. That's, fantastic. That's the headline, that's much. the title, we got it, we got it. got it. That's the we thumbnail, got it, that's the title, that's the press release. There we go, thank you very much. Yeah. Be sure to credit us, Friends Per Second Podcast, you heard it here first.
4: Um, but, so I think you have to, you, you as a game developer and us as a publisher, we have to look at these services and think from the perspective of the game, Itself, what what's the value of subscription Mm -hmm. services? What's you know because the Game Pass and and PlayStation, they can they can bring you an audience that you perhaps would never have got. But you know, I think this is a conversation we'll be having, you know, continually. And and um, you know, I I'm not I don't go to bed worrying about it uh, as I say, but I feel that's because we've got very game centric people running these services. Yeah, um, I don't feel that way about Spotify. I think that's oh. you know, pretty horrendous. But
0: but right now you guys aren't taking a bath on subscription deals. You don't feel like you're being put over a barrel, and you know you feel like right now it's it's actually working out pretty well, net positive.
4: Yeah, I, again, I, I would always say this is the the, the, the people that we deal with. It, it's Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, and I'm, Nintendo are part of the subscription conversation, but. I think they're they're they people really look forward to meeting and hanging out with the the way they talk about games is no different than how we talk about them um, sure. so that's yeah,
0: yeah yeah yeah, you're right. uh the other really big thing that's affecting you guys directly is that you guys went public a little while back. And you guys are worth like a billion dollars now, if I'm not, not anymore. Not, not anymore. anymore? What? Okay, right. <laughs> what are you worth, like seven hundred and fifty million now, or something? I, I, I no, I think you have
4: to get more, much more. Right. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: But you're still worth a lot of money. Okay, that's that's the thing. And obviously, the public thing <laughs> shifts the priorities of a company and the way and a company works. Um, shareholders have different expectations, and and they apply pressure in different ways. How resilient do you think Devolver will be to that sort of pressure? What's going to stop Devolver from having, like, going down the path that every other publicly listed publisher does?
4: Um, there's a number of things. I mean, firstly, you know, I, and obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to mark my own homework right now, so that's always dangerous. Um, so the, the thing was for us is that. Um, the, the, the easy answer is to say that, that, that the founders and the people who work at Devolver still own the vast majority of the company. Mm. So, you know, we are actually the shareholders, um, uh, the majority shareholders. Uh, we're very fortunate as well that, you know, we've got NetEase and um, Sony who own, own, a, own a chunk. And um, so I feel like we're quite insulated from that external pressure because the people that own the majority of our company are actually from the games industry work for devolver work for you know dodge roll firefly crow team good shepherd so i feel like that pressure whilst it's there, is not maybe as as profound as it might have been if we by floating our company sort of sold 60 percent or something to to get to that point um but again, Harry, you know, it was a very carefully considered decision. And, and what Harry uh, did, along with, with um, Doug, who's our uh, CEO, I always get the C things mixed up, um, and Dan, who's the CFO, they, when they went out did the roadshow where you present to potential investors, they really did spend a great deal of time explaining that, the way that we work is why we're valuable. If we change that, then we lose that. And yeah, that—that's how they pitched it. That's how they, you know, went through that whole process. So I feel like there's pressure because you know you can't pretend there isn't. There's always going to be pressure to to deliver some positive performance, but it's not based on, and it wasn't based on us. Saying okay, in the next 10 years we're gonna be a billion dollar company in terms of revenues, or we're going to have series SAM 16 on VR. We never made those promises. We just said this is what we're good at. We're very confident in the spaces we work in. We're very confident with the developers we'll be working with continuing to make super interesting content. And that was the pitch. So sure. um
0: yeah. So, so no NFT projects to announce on this pro- on this podcast then. That's this is the um, window to do it. I mean, you know, you can drop more <laughs> exclusives here. We'd love to hear it. All the investors are bl- are listening right now. Yes. <laughs> <They're> listening <laughs> yeah, right now. yeah, You yeah, say you're not a billion dollars at the, the moment. You, you say it's dropped. Yeah. This is your chance to bring it back up right now. Yeah, they've they've
2: got yeah. your stock either on the buy or the sell <laughs> portion of their of their portfolio right now.
4: I mean, not free to play, hotline Miami. Oh, there is, it is! Is is uh <laughs> is the dream? No, um, you know, we 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 wish anyone well with their business models, and and good luck to them all. But we're we're very sort of happy in our space, <laughs> so sure. we'll
0: stay where we are. Sure, sure, sure. Well, look, uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Uh, I know we're all fans of the output of Devolver, and have been for a long time, and. Uh, if we can keep on keeping on the way that it is, then I think everyone's going to be pretty happy because you know it's it's
5: always. Well, it's, a good honestly,
4: time. it's it's it's, it's it is great to hear. Um, and uh, yeah, I know, like um, it's we we have since since the get go, we've been very well kind of like you know taken care of by the, the games media. We've, we've we've always felt like we've we've been given a fair crack of the whip at every turn um and and i think it's maybe important to say that because i think you guys get kicked around quite mercilessly by the internet um which is quite egregious um and but yeah thanks to to um, the games media in general because you've really given us the oxygen sure um that's yeah, well, appreciated
0: it's always mm-hmm. just fun talking about uh, devolved stuff. Cult of the Lamb yeah. was great. Uh, we got uh, Monkey oh, Island yeah. soon. That Stick It to the Stick, man, looks like a good time. It was just unveiled. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. So there's always... Umbrella. Uh, always
2: I, I, play, I played played at PAX. It was amazing. Angry Foot. Oh, oh Angry Foot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Crushing it, that was awesome. Crushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah like, uh, um, sorry, go, on. go I was just
4: going to say that it's, um, you know, the, the, the best at PAX was kind of like, the way it was set up, and for those of you who weren't there, it was like a sort of cinema vibe. And you had Umbrella and Angerfoot on two ends. And then on the back, you had um, Stick It to the Stick, man. All really high-energy connected games. Then you had Terra Null, which was the chill-out zone. Yeah. Just going like, oh. made that one. Yeah. Oof. yeah, That's
0: a great game as well. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah.
0: Well, look, we, uh, we won't take up any more of your time. We can see the sun is setting there. And uh, we yeah, want we'll to let you get back to it. But look, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. And we um, hope we can have you on again in the future. Good luck with everything. Hope it all goes
4: well. Yeah, well, I might not have a job after healing the Sony numbers, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it. All right. See you, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, so that was Graham Struthers from Devolver Digital. Uh, thank you very much for joining us from your beachside location. Awesome chat. Really great to hear about <laughs> yeah. that company. And yeah. as we were saying at the end, we all just love their stuff. And it was nice to hear how the sausage is made. And you know what's so yes.
1: nice is that, like, hearing from a British game dev, he's just like... <laughs> saying the names of people that i know <laughs> i'm like <laughs> right. he's talking about tom sure. and he's talking uh, about mike i was like oh i just those guys uh, <laughs> like the uk industry is so small like everyone knows each other so sure it was sure. just like a nice little bit of home even though he was we do in uh, california
0: should we do a block on Liz Truss now? Should we do? Uh, uh, is that we're going to take the podcast in that direction, or are we going to no. skip some? <laughs> We're going to leave that one to the side, for now, I think, just to be safe. Who knows? Do we know. might have one or two Tories watching us who are like, actually, I'm really glad that Liz Truss got the nod. I, I think she's going to be great. Um, there let's won't move be on. At a Canter, me to go back to. <laughs> Uh, Let's move on. So we've got uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet is major game releases for the week. Um, There were quite a few. Actually, I've had to chop out a few uh, from this list just to focus on the ones that you know we might have played or we might oh, be able to talk about believe you um, didn't
1: consider jojo's bizarre adventure
0: <laughs> battle type r or something <sighs> come on but you're, you're gonna get you've pissed off a lot of fans with that comment by the way no like, i'm saying
1: it we- as someone who hosts a jojo's bizarre adventure <laughs> <laughs> podcast i'm like wait I'm, i did
0: not know that you yeah. actually do you yeah. host oh the jojo's adventure
1: podcast i didn't know
0: what yeah. is this air what is this
1: how are Jeff, you guys just finding,
3: finding this out
1: no, what? It's on Giant Bomb. It's uh, Jeff Jeff's Bizarre Adventure. So it's oh, it's me, right. Tam, Jeff Backlar, and Super Eyepatch Wolf, who is like mm. the biggest JoJo fan. And oh, uh, this is Jeff's first ever, ever anime. I've never seen Whoa. it before, but I've seen a bunch of anime. So I was like, I understand that sure. sometimes it can get weird. And Jeff was just like, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I-
0: because I've never watched that show and I listened Dude, to that something. show, I thought I thought it was just like Jeff, like it's just a funny name for nah. a podcast, Jeff, yeah. Jeff. but it's actually about Joe Okay, right, cool. That's interesting. I like it. I'm We're in the middle of Stardust
1: Crusaders right now. So,
0: well, I've never watched any JoJo, so I don't know what that means. You but should.
1: It is fucking amazing. Wait, ha-
0: hang on. How many episodes are there? Is it like a thousand? Is like a One Piece deal <laughs> where there's like a thousand episodes or what's the deal?
1: No. So in in the first season there is like one nine episodes. And then in the next one, there's uh, twelve-ish. I want to say I'm probably getting that wrong. And then Stardust Crusaders is the really big season uh, that we're in at the moment. Um, Wait,
0: there's only three seasons of JoJo's?
1: No, no, no. no. There's like there's a new season because Young's in it is in the English dub of uh, the new season. Someone, someone did the math.
2: You're speaking a language I don't understand. So
1: (laughs) someone did the maths and it was like for us to catch up to the new season, it's going to take us like two years. So okay we've okay, got a bunch Like what? we're one, up to Jotaro record- and then there's Jolene and there's all the different Jojos it's great
0: Jolene nice I like that that's cool Like the song um, cool alright well now that we've done that now that we know that and we'll have to leave a link to that podcast <laughs> below I suppose thank you, thank you. Uh, let's talk about some video games uh, one that came out this week that we know Gene was playing was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection Gene, <sighs> uh, what's the dealio with this one? uh 13 games
3: uh konami games classic games released from the nintendo super nintendo sega genesis game boy advance uh and, or just game boy uh, games and it's fantastic uh, it's such a good year for ninja turtles fans um i've been playing uh just turtles in time uh i i i can now definitively say that it is better than the arcade version because i can play both together at the same time you know i i, I played it in an arcade and i played it in super nintendo and i was like i think the super nintendo version is better when i was like 13 that and is like, correct yeah gene has the, <laughs> gene has the correct correct take that is it, correct it is you correct it's, it feels better the music is ca- kind of hits harder like like that the there's nintendo more stages chipset. there's more stages of course you know <laughs> like like you can throw the foot soldiers a shredder like like that stuff didn't exist in arcade so yeah it's just a fantastic game uh, i never played the hyperstone heist on the genesis so that's kind of fun um not as good as turtles in time but it's still fun um and i i think uh, uh you know a lot of people missed the manhattan project which was like the last konami nintendo game ever released um and that was really good too um and even the tournament fighters for nes was also really good because it has kind of like Dude, a, a, like tur- tournament you know?
2: sorry tournament fighters on nes super nintendo and genesis are three different fucking games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the same title, three different
3: games.
0: That's that's those are the wild times back in the uh, eight and sixteen bit eras where you could get away with that some <laughs> yeah. shit.
3: It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, you never see that. Imagine if we got like like different versions of like Elden Ring, like like each console. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, Gene, Man, I'm working. Cool. I'm working with my with my producer Jake on an incredible TMNT video. We can talk about after this, but. I think it's made just for you. I think you're going to really
0: like it. Absolutely. That's awesome. I'm actually, I've am actually, i actually just booted up the Shredder's Revenge just this week. It's like, oh. so really yeah. so fun. Yeah. Because everyone was singing this praises and I was just like sitting there on my Steam deck. And I'm like, yeah, flicking through. I'm like, yeah, this one, this is perfect. And I played through the first level and I'm like, yeah, I see why people like this. It's yeah. nice. It's, it's cool. It's fun. I feel like a lot of my memories about the Turtle games aren't specific memories They're more like the vibe that I recall sitting on the floor with my brothers playing these games Mm -hmm. on the NES and and the the Mega Drive and whatever else. And they were nothing but the fondest memories. But you guys are like rattling off names of stuff. And I'm like, no, I can't remember that. I just remember playing turtle games and loving them. (laughs) That was, that's the limit of my memory. Look,
3: everyone, everyone hates on the, the Nintendo version of TMNT and for, for good reason but that intro song is still so good like okay, like okay. I, I forget that that's not even the theme song of like the actual show like I still think of it as like a turtle song too you know it's amazing
0: so worth your uh, what is it like it's like a discount style. it's like 50 bucks for the 13 games yeah I so you give it a ringing I think, endorsement I think it
3: was just 35 bucks so yeah it's, it's okay right sure, what the greatest sure. Well, sorry know.
0: 50 Australian dollars so you yeah, get 35 US uh, yeah, it's right, a half okay. of okay. a last
3: of us and you
0: get 13 games <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they didn't even update the graphics. <laughs> it, the gameplay is still the same. It's disgusting. <laughs> Fuck Konami. That's what I'm talking about, there right? You go. Unbelievable, lazy devs. Oh, man. <laughs> Video game discourse. Hey, let's talk something that we hear that everyone loves Tinykin, because I know that uh, that has been doing the rounds in the last little while. I hear nothing but glowing praise. And uh, turns out you played it, Luz.
1: I finished it last Whoa. night. Um, I loved oh. Tinykin, and I want to give a special thanks to Jeff Grubb, who was the person who told me about it on the Bombcast last week. It is... So the game, to be reductive, it is Pikmin. But, um, and I think the thing that works in its favour is that, like... I was trying to think about like what really makes it special, and like I think the thing that I really love about it is like you are these you are this shrunken little man called Milo Dane, and you are in a um, and you and you command the tiny kin, aka Pikmin, uh, in uh, you're you're very tiny. You're in a house, so it's kind of like Borrowers style, you know, using things to uh, your your main quest is you have to make a ship to escape the house, right? And I was like, that's all, you know, fairly standard. Very the thing so the thing that really sets the game apart for me is how good it feels to play and just the, the game feel as a (laughs) wanky a term as that is, is phenomenal. Like, Mm. so, I mean, even just by, uh, so you, you can get around just by walking or if you press right trigger, you climb up immediately and there's like little vibrations in the controller. You're like, you kind of go up. You climb
0: up your Pikmin. You you make a tower at your own shop.
1: And you climb up immediately.
0: Just to interrupt, what are the Pikmin? Because obviously the Pikmin in Pikmin were like little sproutling things. What are they here?
1: Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I had COVID and I had kind of COVID brain (laughs) and I started to play Immortality and I was like, oh, I don't have the capacity for this big man Uh, right now. facilities, big man. Sorry, that's a very good TikTok meme. Um, But like, and so I started playing Tinykin. And the story is the one weak link because the story is, like, way over the top for what it needs to be. There are all these tiny people, uh, tiny tiny creatures, the tiny kin, and you can control them for some reason. And there are also all these bugs in the house and they all pray to a god named Ardwin. And then there was, like, some kind of, like, one level I booted up and there was, like, this class divide with, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, winged insects and the ground insects. And I was like... I didn't need what was- this, okay? I don't know <laughs> what's happening here. I just want to control my tiny man. So, didn't answer your question. Not sure.
5: Uh, <laughs> the game feel is so
1: good. So you can walk around or you can climb your little tiny cans. The jumping just feels so reactive and so great. And if you hold down jump, you float Uh, and so you get like a little bubble and that's your sort of gauge and you can collect more of the bubbles and you can just like float amongst like in the first level, you're not really doing much. You're kind of mostly on the ground the whole time and then, you know, gradually platforming up. But then by the time you get to like the third or fourth, when you've got a few more bubbles, you can just like, I'm I'm at the top of the room and I'm going to like drop my way down and then glide and drop down. And it feels really good. And then the other part is that you have, basically, if you press the right bumper, you get a bar of soap to glide on. (laughs) And let me tell you, there is something so primal about how good it feels to just be jumping around, then switch to a float, and then switch to, like, grinding on this bar of soap, and then climbing up the guys. And then the way that you use, like, you have Mm -hmm. a little guy that... um, the little red guys blow stuff up. So you just blow stuff up around you and um, the way the puzzles all come together. The thing that I also really love about it is that like there is not too much handholding at all. You basically enter into a new room so you could go into like the kitchen of the house and the whole thing is we want to build a cake. You need to get these ingredients and put them in the blender. Or the cake, the cake mixer, right? And then it's like, you, the way that you find it is you explore. There is no mini map. There is no on screen like go over here to find the eggs. Right. The camera will kind of show you as the first characters are explaining. And then you spend an hour just like walking around and completing puzzles and just exploring. And I had no idea really what to expect of th- from this game other than it is like Pikmin. But I was totally engrossed by it. The music is great. The game, the the game feel is the thing that really got me. Like it just felt so good to play. I was just switching my brain off and just having a great time. And honestly, it's on Game Pass. And I would recommend it to anyone. Like it is mm. great. I had such a good time. So cool. Doesn't outstay its welcome. I clocked in uh credits at seven hours, but I noticed okay. that the clock did run. Uh, even if you're on the pause screen, so maybe it's closer to five and a half, six, because like I would pause it and Sounds eat great. or something. But it's it's a fantastic little game. It's so,
0: it's so interesting because you could just make another Pikmin game and it'd be kind of shit, but it's like, well, we're not getting any other Pikmin games, so this is you just take what you can get. But it sounds yeah. like they made a Pikmin game, but it's they're great. like, actually, we're going to make a really good Pikmin game and, you know, we'll it, take it from here. Thanks very much, Nintendo.
1: It's really funny. There's one point where uh, when you have the pink guys, they are the ones who can pick stuff up for you. And I think it's those guys or I think it's like when you – oh, yeah, when you set a bunch of them because – Things in the environment will require a certain amount of them to pick up. So you know you kind of spend when you first enter a level, you kind of glide around and pick up a bunch of them, and then go and do your little tasks. But the whistle noise from pick—is not it basically like when you set a bunch of the pink guys to pick stuff up? It goes, and I'm like, how are you getting away with that? Get away <laughs> with that? But I'm That's glad game you did. Feel nice. It's great. It's great nice. game feel.
0: Also,
4: yes, it's, also it's I think Lucy.
2: Lucy just made our, our, our first
5: our 1st is the shirt. The game feel. A shirt that says
2: game feel. Game
1: feel. We're
0: well, going to get the Italians there pissed off for cultural appropriation, okay? Look, Please. They're like, that's our gesture. I Don't you take it from us. The
1: pinch emoji, which is pinch. not the Italian
0: thing at all. That's you know. right. Pinch. Right,
1: sure.
5: Pinch.
0: We'll work, we'll work uh, oh, on cool. it that's I, cool. I had actually planned to check this one out because, as I said, when every time I'd heard anything about it, it was just nothing but glowing praise. And um, yeah, you've obviously sold it. So I'm definitely, um, it's on. It's obviously going to be on Steam. I'm going to grab it. Yeah, there. I wanna I play it. it yeah. I'm going to play it on Steam Deck. You played it on your Steam Deck, you your Steam Deck didn't you, Lose The Steam Deck that you have. You, yeah, you played Lucy, it on that, didn't you? Lucy, of share your share experience on right. your Steam Deck. Can you, can you show us your Steam Deck right yeah, now? Um, it, show, it, yeah, I want you to show us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, zing for audio is, listeners. We have to, I, Jake, uh, blur that out please Jake. We don't want we don't tolerate we, that filth we, on this podcast. We, have to, off, we right. have
2: to get these jokes out now because one day it will change
0: and you no. will have That's right. and for and for Do audio listeners I audio listeners I can assure you that she did make a rude gesture with her hand <laughs> when she uh, when she did that then. So just just for anyone listening to the podcast.
1: The thing is is that my window is October and October feels like so long away. It's not, boys. It's in like three weeks. It's crazy, <laughs> It's isn't really it? close to October. It's so. truly <laughs> crazy.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. <sighs> one day uh, I will like you. Immortality was uh, another game that released this week. No one here has touched that one yet, except for Lucy who had it with her COVID brain and noped out of it pretty fast. But in, I
1: was enjoying it. The performances were great, but I was like, I uh, don't have the wherewithal <laughs> to put any kind sure. of puzzle together right now.
0: It uh, is reviewing spectacularly well, though. 91 on Metacritic, if I remember correctly. And um, everyone really loves it. So I'm really keen on that because I actually really love that guy's game, Sam Barlow. Um, With The Last of Us obviously hit, we've already talked about that one to death. We're not going to be talking about that anymore. Temtem hit on the 6th. Uh, No one's played that other than myself, but I played it during the early access period at launch. Uh, I really liked it. It came at a time... When everyone was really pissed off with how stagnant Pokemon felt, because this was before like Legends of Arceus or whatever, Sword and Shield mm. had just dropped and had got like ridiculously high reviews, even though it sucked. I'm sorry. It's Ooh. not the, uh, these days so I don't buck, you. I don't buck much, much against uh, review scores, but no, Pokemon Sword and Shield sucked. And I was like, what? Cause I reviewed it and I was like, this sucks, man. So did, did you, do you have a soft spot? Am I wrong here? Did you guys love Sword and Shield? I mean, I it's know, British, okay. so it's I, like I, it. I, I liked it a lot. I thought I, I thought like it was, did, but yeah, what,
1: dude? I haven't.
0: But it's like the same. It's has been the same it's, forever. It's it's. Different I say enough, as so. a Destiny fan, Lemieux.
1: La <laughs> 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 I haven't finished a Pokemon game since like Pokemon Red, so
0: sure.
1: Mm. This one, and, yeah, and right, I didn't right, finish right. Sword and Shield, so you know. Right, sure,
0: it. sure, sure, but uh, Temtem came along at that time seamless co-op multiplayer updated visuals like all sorts of new systems it was kind of like hey this is what pokemon could be like if game freak were to do something with it and uh, i really enjoyed it separate from the dunking on pokemon thing it was just in itself a really like good game that i enjoyed that was two years ago since then it's got a bunch of updates and it's out now in 1.0 so you can check that out if you like your monster hunting monster training things Gloomwood hit PC on the 6th. That's from New Blood Interactive, the guys behind all those sort of like retro-y sort of games like Ultra Kill and Dusk and that sort of stuff. Oh, and uh, it's an immersive so sim. Yeah, it's an immersive sim and I haven't played it yet. Well, I did play the demo, but I haven't played the full release yet, but um, it's apparently really good. Disney's Dreamlight Valley. Is anyone planning on picking this up? It's 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 Animal Crossing with Disney characters. Does this ring, ring anyone's Definitely bell? Definitely not for me. <laughs> oh, I right. thought you not were going to be like, demo. I'm in. No, I was going to say. Okay. Wait, was there There was a demo, wasn't there? Oh, you're not oh, the demo. Right, I'm, okay. I'm no, not I the think, demographic. Right, I thought you were talking about the demo. <laughs> I'm trying to think, was there a demo for that? I remember hearing something or maybe there's out now. Uh, I don't that's know. Hilarious. Maybe I'm imagining that. Beta. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Still Rising. This was one. You guys from okay, Spiders, the team that made Greedfall. Did oh. you know they just released another game today
1: pretty much? So I only knew because I saw the review come through our QA. I don't know what we gave it, actually.
0: Uh, I don't remember.
1: In In my mind, um, Greedfall never came
0: out. Was that a good game? Look, Greedfall had a lot of fans for a lot of reasons. Um, It's very much in that Bioware mold at a time when, similar to Temtem and was like, oh, this is what we really need right now. I think that Greedfall arrived when Bioware was putting out Anthem and like everyone was like, we really need a Bioware game, please. And it was it was that. But it was really only good, I think, for about the first 10 hours. And then they copy and pasted a lot of stuff after that. And, um, you know, it just, the, the writing was not good. There was a whole bunch of stuff. But a lot of people really liked it. It was a solid game that I think deserves a future. They have announced a, a sequel for it. Um, but Still Rising was their next project. And it's a Souls like with the whole kind of like automaton thing going on. You pay like yeah. a puppet thing, whatever. It looks kind of cool, but reviews are a bit middling for it. It's kind of sitting at that seven out of 10. Yeah, we gave it a seven. Yep, 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 yep. And um, the only other release this week was Splatoon 3, which I haven't got my hands on yet. No one has their hands on it yet, but Gene is fiending it. He's This is going to be his. Okay, okay, let me just say this, Gene. I've actually never, not say, but ask. I've never really understood the appeal of Splatoon because i played little bits of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. I guess I'm spraying the thing. It's never stuck with me. What is the thing that makes you love Splatoon? Like, could you sell it to me? Because I don't quite get it. I think it. it kind of feels good to, to to shoot
3: another person with paint
0: and like they just kind of, kind of go pop, you know, the, ga- the game feel again,
3: you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of there. Uh, you know, I, I love the art style. I love the music, you know, I, I think for me, a lot of it is the style, you know, uh, like, I just love like, like, like the Splatoon kids. I love the fact that like, they have like, you know, DJs as like influencers, like announcing things in between, like just that whole vibe of like the city, Um, like you just, you just never really see games like that anymore. It feels like a lost Dreamcast game, you know,
4: mm, uh, that, that like made by
3: Nintendo. Um, So... That's kinda of why I like it. Uh, you know, and I I was obsessed with Splatoon too for like months. I just like it was like the only game I played for like a while and I was like, I need to grind to like get these clothes so I can so right. I can so I can get the, the cool shoes for, for my for my little uh, Splatoon guy and I wanna unlock the mm. gun that 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 shoots paint better, you know um interesting so yeah i mean the single player campaign was never anything i'm kind of interested to see how, how they change it for the third one um but really I, you know i'm not even much of a multiplayer shooter guy but i was really hooked on splatoon for a while it's and funny you say that
2: one. it's funny you say that gene because i'm not the biggest fan of the multiplayer i'm the weirdo that loved the single player <laughs> and i don't know why it's just the it's the, great the charm the charm the style the collectibles. Yeah. Um also, uh, yes, internet. I know in Splatoon two, when you get your first collectible, it says, "Who do you think you are, the completionist?" I'm very aware. <laughs> I got thousands and thousands of that. texts and tweets about it. Oh so my god! It's shout outs corrupt. to my to my boys at the treehouse throwing a reference my way.
3: I appreciate
1: that's you guys. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's cool. I remember. Oh, I think
3: cool. I remember you mentioning that before. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so yeah.
1: Cool. yeah. God, Splatoon like. You know when you get, like, opportunities come through to do stuff with, like, devs? Splatoon yeah. is my white fucking whale. Because, <laughs> no, 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 So years ago, Nintendo in the UK... I can't remember if this was Splatoon 1 or 2. They reached out and they were like, hey, we're going to have a dev. He's coming over from Japan. Um, you know, which for Nintendo is pretty rare anyway. Like, they yeah. don't offer talent that much.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were like, okay, he can come around. Is there anything in particular you'd want to do with him for Splatoon? And tomorrow and I... Pitched that we would play a game of Splatoon against the dev. Um, the loser would get um, gunged, or like, <sighs> is that what you call sure. it? Slime. We can imagine.
0: Yeah, the, this gesture yeah. and the and the yeah. stakes and the, indicate yeah. you're talking you would about slime. Slimed.
1: Yeah. And so, like, we were talking to Nintendo, and they were like, "Okay, well, first of all, we're going to have to figure out what the Japanese translation for slime is going to be." <laughs> We managed to get this signed off because we basically, we were like, okay, whatever. He, we'll make sure he wins and he gets the slime us. It, would, it was going to be an amazing fucking video. We got it signed off. Nintendo were on board. And then our facilities manager just went, absolutely not. We're not putting slime in the office. And we were like, we'll go on the roof. We'll go in the back garden. And she was like, No. So that is like the white whale boo. video idea.
0: That we never damn, got you to facilities make. manager, facilities
2: manager, boo. Sharon. You did I a very good character a voice a, too. You're like,
0: no, yeah. I'm like, oh my no. goodness. It should be a game. But my my game fight spot, or flight uh, response just like, like this hit <laughs> right there. I was just like, I. See, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> so there should be some like uh, GameSpot sitcom when like the evil uh, facilities lady. Yeah. She's always the bane on your side. <sighs> I like that. That's a that's a good premise. And, then, and she actually um, she's
1: actually not called Karen. She's called Sharon. Ah, she's great very nice but okay. like I can see why <laughs> not that might instance. have made a mess yeah whatever
0: um outside of that those are all the big releases uh the only other things that people have been playing include uh I've been playing too much Destiny sadly there's a new season out uh it's it's okay you good. don't have
1: to apologize for this you know it's, it's we it's support you you're the
0: destiny we guy. support
2: your need i'm the
0: destiny guy for good game feel my dude <laughs> a we good su- game it, good a Destiny's game, game, game feel is that good, is that it's this. good from game one and then too. it's all Great. the other stuff that everyone's like um so that game no feel. it is, <laughs> it is very feel. good uh, <laughs> and i know uh gene you have been playing xenoblade you're on a been right now just playing like all of them all the time and they are not small games no i've played
3: 300 hours of xenoblade chronicles uh, for the last God. month or so So crazy. Played part three, absolutely loved it, and I was like, "You're a better man than I am." I should go back to part two, and you know what? Like, like Gerard, you'd be proud of me. Like, like I'm level 99 on all three games for all for every single party member. You you
2: you honor me, sir. You honor me.
3: (laughs) That is a lot.
2: You've done what I have not done yet, and everyone claims I should do it. You honor me. Thank you. They're huge (sighs) games,
3: but I love them. They're so British. Uh, So like you know. That they're no right, I mean, all right, I mean, so weird, you know, they're extremely British. <laughs> what a bunch and of the, the, jokers. The beautiful thing about Xen- Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is that different countries in that game will have different British accents d- depending on like, you know, like different districts. So, like, one will be Welsh, one will be like South London. It's amazing. And so, you can tell like what kind of character they would be b- based on their accent. And that continues <gasps> oh in God. three, which is which is That's incredible. Cool. Like, there's Shit. so they, they put so much thought into the localization. It's definitely like a cowboy bebop situation where like. I think the localization is actually kind of better than the original Japanese translation. Really well done game. That's awesome. I'm obsessed with all three of them.
0: Yeah, I'm all four. Don't forget X. I mean, I know it's not... uh it's not quite Chronicles, but... It's the um, only Wii U game I mean, stuck
3: on the, on the Wii U
0: now. <laughs> I know, right? It's so annoying. Like, I'm sure it's this. coming
3: soon. I'm sure
2: that's is it the next though?
0: one. I can't be sure of anything with Nintendo. It's like there's such a mercurial campaign in the ass. I have there's only it. a handful uh, of is- games <laughs>
2: stuck on the on the Wii U at this point. It's like, yeah. maybe, at least first first party wise, it's yeah. it's like Yoshi's Woolly World, Star Fox Hero, which probably will never show, uh, and Xenoblade <laughs> Chronicles X. Yeah, probably three
3: sells we, we well enough that they'll be like, oh, you know what? Why don't we just toss out X now? You know
2: they do that, That's and right. they have every you have every you know, blade game available on Switch, mm-hmm.
0: and everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. God, God bless you, Steam Deck. God bless you, mm-hmm. <laughs> saving the day uh so uh, that is very cool um i think that's all the things that we've been playing this week then if i'm not mistaken all this Fortnite, got, i should say
1: you've got something on there but i don't know if you're allowed oh to actually no i can't it. that
0: shouldn't be on there Fuck. yet so we will come back to that oh, so cool. there was something that uh, i actually have been playing a few things under nda right now that is one of them i, sh- I meant to mark that as nda so apologies for Sorry. that um Absolute but there's actually a lot that <laughs> yeah, that's right that is a, that is a teaser. there's actually a lot actually gerard that's right you are at pax we I forgot to, to mention that yeah. yes yeah. tell us how did it go which pax is it there's i PAX feel like west. there's like seven paxes pax west there's okay, there's right, there's, sure.
2: there's south no south is gone so there's now pax east in boston pax west in seattle pax australia and pax unplugged well, is it- um
1: the UK like has EGX which is now owned by Pax. Read Pop like, well, is
2: the, the Read Pop company purchased yeah. it. Yeah, so it's their it's their org now. Right. Um okay. first off, I want to give a huge shout outs to the hundreds if not thousands of you that came up to me at uh at uh Pax West and said that you love FPS. We love you. It was really Filled my heart that so many of you guys came up and said the podcast is great. We love you guys. Uh, it felt sick. good that like we got so much. I got I got all the love for the podcast for us. So thank you so much. Um, second, uh, I went with no appointments, so I just walked around. I explored packs and just walked up to indie dev booths and sat in line and uh, freaked out some indie devs because they were like, "Why are you here?" Um, and I got to play some fun games. Uh, I gotta play a game uh, called Sea frog. Don't know if you guys heard of that. Uh, it's nope. uh, imagine a 2D uh, Tony Hawk pro skater, but you play as a frog, uh, and the aesthetic is very much like Mega Man Legends in that you're like on boats and you travel between ships and fix each other boats while doing tricks. Uh, it was a very, fuck?
5: it I'm was a very crazy, right
2: very <laughs> crazy game. Uh very hard to play but man it like I felt like I took an edible when I was playing it cuz it was it was a trip <laughs> and I feel like I didn't learn enough about the game but it was super super sick. Um what else did I play? Uh I played 30XX. If you guys remember the 20XX, the indie game. Oh sure. 30XX yeah. is the sequel and it is I a even know banger. It's okay, it's cool. so good. Uh, shout out to Chris, the lead dev over there. That game is amazing. Uh, it's it's just shaping up better and better. It's it's exactly what I wanted from a sequel. More, more characters, better, wow. better pixel art, kick ass music, and of course, roguelite or roguelike galore. Um, and then of course, uh, last week, for those of you who don't know, uh, I got to act in a commercial that I directed and wrote and shot for Yacht Club Games for Shovel Knight Dig. And uh, I got to play Dig for the first time at the convention uh, show floor, as well as Mina the Hollower, which I also got to debut at G4, but never cool. got to play. So I, I got to spend a lot of time at those booths actually playing those games. And those Yacht Club people are wonderful. You're going to love it. I also checked out Rift of the Necrodancer, which is the oh, new rhythm cool. game oh. by Brace Yourself nice. Games in the uh, Necrodancer series. Uh, Timeline. It is very, very fun. It's I cool. I'd akin it to it's it's um one part uh on the zone of uh like rhythm, like a like, like DJ Hero or like those anime rhythm games where it's like simple beat patterns of left up down right kind of vibe of DDR, but a little more easier. Uh mm-hmm. And then it's also like WarioWare or Rhythm Heaven, where there's mini games where it's like your uh Cadence does like yoga poses and you have to like time them to the beat of the music in the yoga room with everyone. Uh and then the boss fights are like punch out characters. So you're playing punch out, but it's rhythm games. You're hearing music and you have to dodge the beat and engage. That's it's, cool. It's it's if you like Crypt of the Necrodancer, this is a great, great way to keep that uh that whole genre fresh. But yeah, I think very, very, very good stuff coming out of PAX. I played a lot more, but those are the key highlights that I, I
0: specifically loved. Nice. Man. Awesome. I've never
1: been hey, to Hey, yeah, PAX.
0: let's just do. Sorry, Luce.
1: I've never been to a PAX. Oh, oh so you got to come. come.
0: They're they're such nice a you got to come. So I've been to PAX East. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great go? community vibe to them. They're really good it's in that chill. way, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's do uh, two quick listener questions uh Ooh. before we wrap up the show. Uh just gonna choose these at random. So if you have any questions, hit them up. Contact at friendspersecond.com. Also on Twitter. You can hit us up there. We do have a Twitter uh, we we are on the Twitter. So uh do hit us there for questions. Let's do this one. Uh WD forty asks <laughs> If the host, I know, right? If the host, it's spelt W, like the letters WD and then the word 40. If the guests only had one controller to use forever, which controller would it be? Hmm.
1: Either the Elite Series Two or the Switch Pro.
0: I would agree with you, except with the, Switch, the Series Two, except it would break within the first month, and you'd be stuck with a broken. Mine hasn't forever, broken. So. I've broke. had mine for like wow, two that's years the only one. Great. It would be my <laughs> so if it
3: was if mine if it's like two of mine didn't break already. So yeah, yeah.
0: same. Two of mine are broken. Yeah. So
3: yeah. I think I'm, I'm I gamer. think
2: sw- Switch Pro. Switch Pro is the Switch way
0: Pro is so comfortable. I love. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Super comfy. Yeah, I think I would probably say the PS5 controller actually. Okay, but it would also it would also break my PS5 well, controller that broke in the first exactly. one. Battery life <laughs> plus the adaptive triggers are going to break. But I love it because it's it's big and I like I have bigger hands and so it's like when I pick it up I'm like ah oh, yes this is the right size controller I love the feel of it. Plus I love all its bells and whistles when they actually work. So yeah, I mean I would I would say PS5. But yeah, the series. The Elite Series controller is also fantastic. Yeah. The Elite Series controller has such a like a premium feel to it. It weighs mm. so much. It's like such a chunky boy, and it's like you pick it up and it's like cast iron metal almost. Yeah. You're like, right. I've got it, and you're like, you paid it's almost a little money too heavy.
3: Yeah, but
0: yeah. well, yeah, yeah. Yep. Can yep. you
1: take the weights out of it? I haven't. Not
0: this no. one. No, there are other controllers I've seen where you can adjust mm. the weights, but not this one. No. <laughs> uh all right other question comes from uh, jake w he asks uh if you weren't in gaming where would you be what would you be doing um.
3: i guess i, I haven't <laughs> been really in gaming in, in, unless for the last two years so i probably be
0: what were you doing before what What were you doing before this
3: oh i was i was a i was a social mediator at the washington post
0: Right. Okay. So I ran cool, the Washington cool.
3: Post Twitter account. Uh, you know, I, d- I did a Reddit strategy. You know, uh, I d- did live streaming. I got us on Twitch. Um, so yeah, that was my job. So I would, I would just probably just go back to doing that. I guess imagine, <laughs> um, imagine covering how the covering jo- how. covering oh, local shit. crime, which I which I used to do. You know, so I just be a regular old right. journalist, I guess.
0: Imagine, I can't imagine what it would be like to to do the Washington Post Twitter handle. <laughs> like the things you would read, the oh, things oh, that would come it, back at you every time it you just post abs- anything. I just was just
3: flamed. Like we would just be flamed like, every, <laughs> every goddamn minute of every day. It, it's just sure. ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Uh, how about you, Gerard? What would you be doing, man? Probably would be
2: acting still trying to find, nice. just be the starving actor that I was meant to be <laughs> trying to. Get that next gig, that next TV show, that that next stand-up comedy routine. Uh, Because that's where I was going before I did this. And in fact, my YouTube career was supposed to be my stepping stone to do that. And then I got stuck in a loop where I started completing things and never left. So I'm kind of there now, but it it took 11 years. But, you know, that's where I'd be. All right.
0: And Lucy, other than uh, Lord of the Rings (laughs) consultants, where might you be in life?
1: So before I got into games, um, the thing about my family, my family either works in law or they're te- or they're working in teaching. There is no in between. Mm. I am the only in between in my entire family. Mm. So I would be in one of those two. And so for a long time, I worked at like law offices. I was working in reception. I would do admin. I would. I was a typist for a while. Um, so that or teaching or. If we're going for the aspirational, and I was thinking about this, I would love to be a pimple popper.
0: Whoa, that's a <laughs> way I, Is that
1: whoa. Game
5: okay, okay. Is that that's a, game a game job. Deal? No, can, yeah, it's I mean, game well, I mean, like a, like
2: a
1: dermatologist. It's game the feel, a dermatologist, it's but like that game you know, feel though. That game <laughs> feel. I would lo- Oh, I would love to.
0: No, 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 stick with the pimple popper thing, firstly. Okay, where would you imagine, what kind of business model is this? I is it a go a to someone's house? I would be a dermatologist. Is it go to someone's house and do this? Or would you have a shop, like, pimple popping? Like, yeah, is well, it, uh, I, what is this?
1: No, I'd be a dermatologist. No, I, I don't, I genuinely, like, I just think it would be, like, you know, a fun, relaxing thing to do. <laughs>
0: Is there I'm a pimple discussed. popping video game? Hang on. Is there a pimple popping video game firstly? Because I feel like Power Wash Simulator is that kind Scratches of thing where oh. it show. it. Like if you made a pimple popping game, I reckon it would sell. Ralph, like, we got to call sell. Graham
2: back up. Get Graham back.
0: It sounds like devolver money all over it. right
1: now. What have we got? Right. Pimple 100%. pop. Popping. Pimple
0: pop game. Is there <gasps> no one? No results. But, oh, shit. Okay, search. don't steal our idea. If you steal it, we're going to sue you, okay? Pimple pop, it's, uh, nothing. It, so it's here. It's this ours. Is, this is f- f- friends per second podcast coming at you with the latest and greatest in crazy fucked up game ideas. Um, <laughs> for me, I think sadly I would probably just be some corporate drone working in a consulting job doing incredibly boring PowerPoint work. That would be. That was what I was doing before. Why not just keep doing that for 30 years and then retire? That'd be sick. Anyway, that's that's that. Thankfully, we're not doing that. Hey, you know what we're doing instead? Playing video games, and we've been doing it for a while. Uh, Gerard, why don't you tell us what we were playing, like, when we were young, Woo! 70 years ago. We got it. We got it. <laughs> back we, in those
2: days. So I went through. I'm um, Again, feedback always is appreciated. I'm trying to make the, the list smaller. But this week, it's pretty crazy stuff. Here we go. Uh, t- uh, two years ago, Tony Hawk pro skater one and two that came out. Remember the Wait, pandemic yes, yeah. two years ago. The, oh, that the, was the remaster. The remaster. Like, well, yeah. okay, right, so right. That's, right, that's sure. a more recent one. Uh, also three years ago, river city girls came out. Great. Beat them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, September six, 11 years ago. This one's gonna make you feel old. Dead Island, baby. Oh. Dead Island. Oh,
0: right. Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, man. Five years ago, <laughs> Ralph, this is for you. Destiny 2.
0: Oh, God. What a journey. Yeah. Destiny, what, a, what, a, what an absolute. Yeah. Wow. That is so crazy. Not wow. to mention
2: Destiny 1 came out in the same time frame just a few years before. Yep. So it's a double it Destiny wow. anniversary. Wow, uh, trash, let's trash, see.
0: trash game. Dead
2: game. Yeah. Dead game. September 7, 10, 10, years, 10 years ago. Game. Mark of the Ninja. Huge Ooh. indie game for those who missed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 12 game. years ago. September 7, 2010. Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. Uh, one of of the weirder Spider-Man games and I bring it up because four (laughs) years ago on the exact same day Spider-Man for PS4 came Mm. out so they really made sure to come around full circle with that one uh, 20 th- 23 years ago, September eighth, nineteen ninety nine. Ready to rumble boxing for the Dreamcast came out. That was a oh, great time. That was a
0: great game. Afro yeah. Thunder was my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, man. It's uh, Time to dance.
2: Twelve years ago, September eighth, uh, today or within the re- the week, Amnesia: The Dark Descent came out. That's a big one. Wow. Uh, and Plants vs Zombies on the on the Xbox three hundred and sixty came out. A very popular Alrighty. title. What a great game. Yeah. Uh huge anniversary here. 28 years ago, everyone. September 9th, 1994. Hold on to your butts. Mortal Kombat 2.
0: Whoa.
2: That shit. one's a rough one to hear. Wow, and man. rounding things out, September 10th, 2009. This one's for Gene specifically. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtles in Time reshelled. Uh, Maybe one of the worst ports of <laughs> Turtles in Time.
3: I never uh, played that one. Produced I, by I, I Ubisoft. Definitely didn't
2: want to. <laughs> Yeah, sorry to the death of made okay. that game, but it was it was not a good time. But that's though, that's your abbreviated game weekend Fortnite gaming weekend
0: Fortnite weekend yeah. Fortnite, <laughs> Fortnite, Fortnite gaming. I love
2: it, love it. There you go. <laughs> Well, away, uh, thank dude. you very
0: much for that. And I uh, want to say a really big thank you to Gene for stopping by this week for, for uh, uh, coming in clutch and, and saving the day, uh, replacing Jake while he's off gallivanting about the, w- the barren waste of Iceland. Yeah, We've got yeah you I'll here to you next week,
3: so, you know. <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> from the free tickets we're getting from the uh, icelandic government but uh dude it was awesome to have you here finally add the chance to chat to you face to face after so many so I, many i love years. all you
3: guys you know i've actually uh e- met lucy before she was so kind enough to br- bring me onto her show so you know to uh, gerard ralph you know been such long time fans of both of you so been an honor to to be on this podcast thanks so much for having me
0: Thank you. And thank you. Uh, we will definitely hit you up and have you back in the future yeah. when uh, The Last of Us 3 comes around. You know, we'll just, that's, uh, <laughs> let's just dive deep into that. When, when that gets Why announced, we'll, uh, we'll have head you to back. Head. I'll be like, yeah, I
3: played <laughs> it 20 times. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> that's right. It's been out for six days. I've already finished it <laughs> eight, 20 times. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, Gerard, Lucy, thank you as always. Uh, pleasure. And uh, you guys got anything big cooking at the moment you want to shout out right now?
1: Uh, well, if you are watching this or listening to it on Saturday, please go to GameSpot and watch the Swipe mobile showcase. So, oh, that's um, right. yeah. yeah, we're putting on a showcase, uh, which is very exciting. A bunch that's of whole, cool. oh, I could talk about it now, I guess, like a bunch of things from Call of Duty, The Division, PUBG, stuff from Apple, stuff from Netflix. It's a really cool show, and it was like really fun to put together. Tam and I got to write a showcase, which is
0: that's wild. So yeah, that's
1: so cool. Uh, Take that,
0: Jeff Keeley. Yeah, we we right. do
1: make a couple of jokes about like like Batman being up Jeff. against Batman is Je- no being up against <laughs> Jeff, but like it was really fun. And like I was super, I got COVID, so I couldn't be in it. But I want to give a huge shout out to Kurt and Davina from uh, the team at Gamespot. Like he day of. Stepped up and he did so well, and like he and Tam hosted it along with Greg Miller, and it came together really well. And I'm really happy That's with cool. um, how it all happened. So please go and watch that over on Gamespot.
0: Love it, exciting times. Try to have about you, man. Anything exciting coming up? Uh, no, just gonna
2: keep promoting it. God of Work season one is out now. Yes, yeah. uh, it's doing super well. We appreciate all the positive feedback and love. Uh, you know, let's make season two happen. Just keep watching the sure. show. Tell your friends. We love to make it and We hope you guys enjoy it. It's great. Sure. Oh, we go, man. It. Thank you. Thank you.
0: If uh, you enjoyed the show, don't forget to sub to the shill up channel, but more importantly, go and hit up the RSS feed on your podcast platform of choice. So you can listen to this on the go without having to pay for YouTube premium. That's, mm. that's handy. That's nice. Uh, but thank you very much for tuning in and we will see you in two weeks time with Jake Baldino back. Looking forward to it. See you and again. remember tie your shoes and go oh, to bed. Oh shit. That's what happens when Jake's not oh here. God. We forget, but thank God, shoes, Gerard saved the
5: day. Tie your shoes. Go to bed.